I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Los Angeles. Hello, fans of Major League Soccer. Hello, lovers of the beautiful game. Hello, curious passerbys from Leon. And, of course, hello to the millions. And millions. Of LAFC Pod Fam listeners. Look, we hope you are enjoying the heck out of your Memorial Day weekend. Barbecues and beverages, family and fun galore, all kinds of good stuff. But for right now, we want to welcome you all to a very, 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 very special LAFC CCL Super Pod featuring most, if not all, of your favorite podcasts from this beautiful black and gold broadcasting space. We did invite everybody that's in the pod fam, but we get it. It's a long weekend and a lot of people are traveling and out of town. Now, just to be clear, this is not an episode of Defenders of the Bank, but it is an episode of Defenders, part of LAFC, shoulder to shoulder. Voices of the Black and Gold, LGBTFC, and the new kids on the block, Happy Foot, Sad Foot. As I said, Super Pod, Mega Pod, one pod to rule them all, and it's been long overdue. Our friends, the Heart of LAFC hosted a Super Pod, Shoulder to Shoulder hosted a Super Pod. Now it is our turn. Like I said, long interview, long overdue. Now I'll start by introducing myself, my co-host, and our podcast, before we go round the room and identify this La Podcast Nostra roundtable commission that we have right here. Now, representing Defenders of the Bank from inside Philomonster Studios in beautiful Burbank, California, I am the loud and proud, energetic and electromagnetic, platinum-colored-haired flamingo. My name is Christian Philemon, otherwise known to you all as Philly. And with me, as always, from Lawndale, California, in front of the world-famous Scarfwall, the mouth of the South Bay, also known by his nickname, Schall in Germany, Fular in Romania. And after we're done whooping some ass in Leon, they will call him Bufanda in Mexico. 
And of course, the UK, Australia, Canada, Singapore, the United States, more specifically, the great city of Los Angeles. They call my partner in pod, J.R. Lieber, the... The Scarf. What is good, everybody? Who knew that Philly would give a two-minute and 30-second long intro into the Super Pod? One pod to rule them all. And I made him spit out his drink, so that's points for all of us. But this, like Philly said, is not an episode of Defenders of the Bank. No, 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 my friends. This is a Super Pod. We have called together the heads of the families, and we are so excited to bring them on. We will be discussing all things CONCACAF Champions League final because, of course, we are set to take on Leon once again in the Champions League, except this time, this is for all the marbles. May 31st at Leon, June 4th at BMO Stadium. It gets decided. Will we be playing in the Club World Cup? How will it go against Leon? Well, let's bring on a star-studded panel so that we can talk all about it first. From heart of LAFC, the pod father himself, I give you one, Joseph Zacher. Greetings, Los Angeles. Joseph, so happy to have you on. Of course, if you don't know Joseph Zacher in the heart of LAFC podcast, what have you been doing for six years? These guys are the OGs, the originals, the pod fathers themselves. So please check out heart of LAFC also want to bring on a good friend of ours, the good doctor himself, the boozologist from Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. Jonathan Reimer. Hello, boyes. Good to see you both. Philly, my partner in indoor crime, uh, Bufanda, who's got a motor in the back of his Honda. Like, <laughs> thank you, boys, so much for hosting this super pod. Uh, Joe and everyone else about to come in as well, too. Happy to be here representing Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. I love it. We are very happy to bring into the family the voices of the Black and Gold's very own Eric Holstrom. What's up, Eric? How are you, bud? Great, great. How's everybody here doing? Just like uh, you all, I'm looking forward to this Leon matchup. I remember fondly the one we saw last time and kind of how it really changed the entire world. It's like uh, seeing the international stuff. We went from a flat earth to a round earth and all of a sudden, you know, everything, everything changed. So here we are ready to do this. Thanks for inviting Absolutely, my friend. One of the relatively new kids on the block from LGBTFC podcast, our good friend, Luke Clip. Hello, everybody. It's great to see all of you. I'm having flashbacks to the Super Pod we did last year, right before the MLS Cup final, and now finally getting butterflies in my stomach about this final coming up this week. I can't wait, man. We're just three days away, and for all of you that are listening to this, this will help you out. This will help ease those butterflies that Luke and myself and everybody else has. The definite new kids on the block and a hilarious podcast listen from over at Happy Foot, Sad Foot, we give you Travis Helwig. Who's muted? I love it. <laughs> really hard to figure out this podcast stuff. I don't know how it works. I just bought a microphone. You know, who? <laughs> I'm happy to be here. I hope I don't get hazed too much by all of you cool seniors. Listen, we're going to try to keep the hazing to a minimum, although Philly talks about Lies. stuffing people in gym lockers all the time. So good luck, my friend. At least you guys are in. Two very different rooms, and I love it. We weren't sure we were going to be able to get her, but this is super exciting. We finally, we got some female representation on this pod. I'm going to talk about two more females that we love so much, but that's Araceli. Araceli, from Heart of LAFC, welcome to the pod. Hey, it's great to see all you guys. And just like how Luke mentioned, I am getting a little deja vu from last year with the Cubs. So 
I I'm just excited to talk about this and as always, you know, just kind of see whatever where everyone's at with it. Absolutely. Look, we are so excited to have you on. Uh, and look, I want to talk about female representation just a little bit here at the start of this, not just Araceli, but this podcast is being produced by the two lovely ladies behind the scenes here at Defenders of the Bank. We've got Nina and Panda. Thank you guys both so much for producing this episode. We would be completely, look, all of you on the pod fam know how lost we are without those two in our lives. So a huge thank you uh, to the two of them for producing with that, we just want to remind everybody, at the very end of this episode, we will have a slide, a background, with everybody's social media information on it, all of these great podcasts. So please, at the end, after our pretty cool outro uh, that we will play for you, stop, look, listen, write down, I don't know, put in your, in your BlackBerry, your Palm Pilot, whatever you got, all of these great social media addresses for all of these great podcasts. This is not just for all of us to talk about Leon but it's for everybody to get to know the incredible LAFC pod fam that we are all a part of. So with that being the case in just three days, LAFC will travel down to Guanajuato, Mexico, to Estadio Leon to take on a team that we've already played in the CONCACAF Champions League the last time we did it. But let's talk a little bit about how LAFC got here. Of course, we had to go through not one, not two, but three different teams to get to this point. Let's take a look real quick at the graphic. We've got three different clubs that we went through. There we go. Look at all that. It looks nice. Look at graphics. we got everybody on the different sides. Starting out with Ala Valencia, an incredible, fun away days. Three nothing. Uh, we only got to see two of the goals if you were there in person, but it was an incredible match down in Ala Valencia. And I know several of us were there. Uh, if you were there, could you just do a little quick, quick raise of the hand? Show show everybody who was there. All right, we got we got a few on the pod fam that were there. Joseph Zacker, I defer to you, my friend. That was uh, one of my very first away days. You've been on several away days uh, before this. Talk to us about the uh, the mood down there in Costa Rica. No doubt, an an interesting vibe, a welcoming vibe. I think more welcoming than I than I expected it to be. Uh, again, Costa Rica is a beautiful country. Uh, the people are are awesome as well. Uh, really amazing to see how many of us actually traveled. Yeah. I think it was it was surprising for everyone uh, to see us take up a whole section. And of course, the march to the match was was a bit insane as well as we marched directly through their supporter bars into the away uh, the away gate. Uh, a little bit of a different vibe. Uh, I think more friendly than we even expected it to be, uh, which was welcoming. And then once you were in there, you you were in an international way. It was not anything that you would see in MLS. It is a different world, a different vibe. Uh, really well organized on the other end as well. Uh, but I will say this, once again, the 3252 was nonstop for the entire game until they kicked us out. Yeah, uh, it was again, we won on we won in the stands as well as on the field. It was it was very impressive. Yeah, And and as someone who has seen away days on occasion now internationally, both in Leon mm -hmm. and, and in Costa Rica, I, I got to say this. I was surprised at by how wide of a margin the thirty two fifty two won in the stands. We're talking about an incredibly prideful, not just country, but team in Alajuelense who, I mean, they they really brought it for the first, what was it, six minutes, I think it was, Joseph? And yeah, then yeah. I, I don't think I heard them after the six minute. No, I think they were a little bit shocked. 
to be honest, uh, because we did play it a little bit light early. Uh, let them do their thing. Let them get their TFO going. We did play it pretty soft. And then, yeah. of course, we hit them with that wall of noise. And, and I think it stunned them, to be honest. Uh, most times when we travel, we stun the, the, the home, uh, the home, the home crowd because they don't know what to expect. You know, they think, ah, come on, they're not going to last. No one's ever done that. And then we go ahead and just do it, you know, get it done. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, credit to everyone going. Cause a lot of people were not, I'd say naturally in the North end, right. They're from all over the sure. stadium, but for this one, they stepped up and it was, it was beautiful. Yeah, and you know, I think another stunning part of it was the three nothing result, right? A result that we are going to talk about over and over again when it comes to our play in Concacaf Champions League this year. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what we can take away from that result. Uh, let, let's bring it over to Eric from Voices of Black and Gold. Eric, that three nothing win at Alajuelense really set the tone for our entire Concacaf Champions League run. Talk to us about what that three uh, nothing run win, excuse me, set us up for. I mean, you know, I, I don't know for those of us that really just nerd out on LAFC. I don't think anybody really predicted a 3-0 going into Central America and playing in these traditionally hostile environments. But our, our team just did and persevered. And I think, you know, it was that game was so early in the season. It was like our third match of the season. So yeah. you're still in that state as a team where nobody you don't know if everybody's going to gel together, how they're going to look. And so really, really, the coaching staff gives a huge credit to how organized everybody was, everybody went in with the intensity they needed to, and they earned that 3-0 win. Like, they completely earned it. So I, I think with how that sets the tone is it says, look, this team right out of the gates came out organized, strong, and they handled just a thorough professional drubbing of a strong opponent. You know, they're probably the strongest team outside of Mexico in, in the Champions League. So, yeah. uh, you know, that 3-0 has – it, it's just been pretty methodical all the way through. And, and that 3-0 definitely sparked it. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, talk to us about what a 3-0 win has the potential to set up for that home leg that we wound up getting uh, able to play. Uh, so 3-0 against Alajuelense at Alajuelense, how that just cuts the legs out from uh, from the club. Well, something that you know, the CONCACAF Champions League has, of course, is the away goals rule. So when you go into an opponent's stadium and you're able to put three goals up, I mean, that instantly meant that, you know, barring LAFC getting shut out at home, which was a pretty unlikely scenario, they were going to have to win it outright. A tie was not going to send us to PKs unless they were to storm into the stadium and win 3-0, which no one saw coming after the 3-0 the performance. And, and frankly, to be honest, hats off to Alajuelense because, I mean, they showed up and they played a pretty epic game at the bank. Uh, that is as much as they could possibly throw at us. It was the full kitchen and the sink. They were able to walk away with the 2-1 win, which for about the first three months of the season stood as LAFC's only technical single game loss of the season up until that exhausted game in San Jose. So, I mean, it was a real credit to what we were able to accomplish during that away day to build that monstrous a lead, something that I think we're going to touch on had a tendency to repeat itself. Uh, yeah, look, the 2-1 defeat to Alavalense at home, we're talking about a nervy matchup, right? All of a sudden, they, they got a relatively early goal, kind of put us back on our heels just a little bit. Philly, this is, I think, the quietest you've been to start a podcast uh, maybe ever in the history of us hosting together. That 2-1 win, I mean, you and I were sitting, what, one row, two rows away from each other for most of that, that match. Talk to us about that, that feeling inside BMO where 
I mean, look, it, it wasn't quite uh, the the feeling that we could lose or we could get kicked out, but it was definitely not a comfortable win, as Jonathan alluded to. Scarf, I'm trying to learn new skills as I'm uh, advancing on the uh, fourth floor. And one skill I don't have that's good, and you could obviously ask producer Panda because she's on here, is the ability to listen. I'm trying to listen more, Scarf. They say we have two ears and one mouth for a reason, and that's starting to hit home right now. But to answer your question, it was among one of the more relaxed feelings going into BMO Stadium that you and I and everybody else have ever had. The confidence knowing that, look, unless something absolutely atrocious happens, we're going to advance. And yes, we were caught a bit surprised, didn't anticipate losing in BMO Stadium because that's that's grounds we hardly, if not ever, lose on. We never lose at home. And with this 3-0 advantage, with the Costa Rican Giants coming into Los Angeles, we didn't have to worry that much. But they certainly, certainly made it interesting. I mean, it was it was nerve-wracked city for a little while. But as that whistle blew and we knew we were going to be advancing into the next round against the Vancouver Whitecaps, I have to say, it didn't feel like a loss, which was odd. We knew we were advancing, but it was still quite odd to like walk in and not feeling as rejected and dejected as we did leaving BMO to record a pod till god awful hours of the night. Two to one, it was just a strange, strange atmosphere. But no, we're going to move forward. It really wasn't a loss. Yeah, Luke, when Philly was talking about that result, I noticed you were shaking your head. A lot of agreement there. That that two one, did it did it feel like a loss? Was it as nerve wracking at the time for you as it was for us? Well, two things. One, uh, it was it was it was zero two right for a while there, and with yep. a, a fair amount of game left to play. Yep. So there was definitely. I mean, the, if they got a third goal, it's going it's going to extra time. It's going to PKs, right? So when Vela got that goal, it was both excitement for Vela getting a goal and also tremendous relief because now that gave us the cushion that we really needed to to get through to the end. But I will also say. There was someone in the south end because we sit over toward the south end who is screaming, screaming at our team to keep going because we were losing. And I was like, dude, you don't understand. Like, you don't know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that's that's part of what the Champions League allows, right, for all of our fans out there. There are many, many supporters of this club, LAFC that have really only gotten on board in the last two, three, four, five, six years, not just in the the uh, MLS, but we're talking soccer in general, right? Many of these fans have come to Los Angeles football club matches at BMO or Bank of California Stadium and have been captivated by the experience. So we're, we kind of have to educate them a little bit as we go along. Uh, let me ask, uh, let me ask Travis. Uh, so we go and we lose 2 one after the three, nothing win. And then we see our performance against Vancouver. Let me ask you a quick question, Travis. That 2 nothing loss, do you think that that had an effect on how we wound up approaching this next leg against Vancouver? I think when I saw that Vancouver was going to be who we would play next, there was a sense of relief. And I would say <laughs> I felt it a little bit less once I saw that it's we were fallible. You know, that 3-0 yeah. victory. I think we were all a little bit nervous going to that first leg, being like, we lost Chicho, who's going to score our goals, like... And then Bawanga shows up, reminds us that he's the best player maybe on the continent. We're like, okay, we'll be fine. And we see, uh, like, we'll be fine going into the next round. And then I see Vancouver. I feel okay about it. But once we lost at home, 
I don't know how the players felt. I was fucking scared. I didn't want, <laughs> I it was a, uh, I don't know. I'm nervy and anxious in general. So the minute you, you remember that it's possible to lose, I'm going to assume we'll lose every game after that. Yeah. Uh, RSL, you have the benefit. I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. You cover both sporting Kansas city who, by the way, congrats on the big win. Uh, and you look at LAFC, uh, through through kind of a, a dual lens there. So you've obviously seen a lot of Vancouver Whitecaps, and, and you know, especially, I think they came in relatively hot, right, in that game. They were playing pretty well. Uh, but we come in to, uh, to, to Canada against Vancouver, and we put another 3-0 win down in CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, talk to us about what that means and, and how it kind of set us up going forward. No, I mean, I definitely agree that once we saw that Vancouver was going to be our next opponent. There was a sense of relief and in the way that we under, we already understood, you know, Vancouver, their system and how they usually run things. And I know that there was even still a little bit of hesitancy given the history that LUC does have with them. But given that we did two, three to zero results, it's just outstanding. And I, I mean, I don't want to use the word unspeakable, but it was definitely one of those. It, it wasn't in the my 2023 bingo card let's put it that way <laughs> but other than that I mean really just kind of going into it looking at the roster it was more of what you know what we expected and I am very fortunate to say that for this season especially you know along with doing the heart of LEFC pod I am also one of the social media editors for MLS Next Pro so I get to see things kind of from both angles from the club perspective as well as the league perspective so again going into Vancouver from the club we kind of knew our expectations but from the league it was definitely one of those matches that you just didn't really know what was going to happen yeah look I'll speak from a little bit of a unique point of view I was one of the 11 that traveled up to the mean streets of Vancouver for that match and and I will tell you uh, I, Joseph, I don't know if you can speak to this as well as I can, because you were only in Costa Rica. You didn't make it up to Canada. So let me just, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but the atmosphere wasn't quite as palpable uh, of a hostile environment going into it. Joseph, I know, have, have you ever made it up to Canada for a match? The walkthrough, the, there's at least one pub where they have a neon light on as you walk by. It can be a little intimidating, Joseph. Um, have you ever made it up to Canada for a match? I mean, they might throw healthcare at you. That's about it. You know, it's, it's <laughs> I have not made the trip. It seems like every time we play Vancouver, it's a midweek match where we can't really feel the full side. And it's been a little bit, they've been lucky. Let's be honest. Uh, and so this was another case where just, it wasn't going to work out for me. So I did not go. Yeah. Look, it was spring break uh, for me as a teacher. So I actually got to spend a little bit of time up in Vancouver at BC place. Again, super polite people. There were, I, I'm not kidding when I say, I think there were 11 supporters uh, who made the trek up three, nothing. Um, but we you come... still outnumbered them about 10 to one and uh, <laughs> because they didn't score, you missed your chance for a maple syrup shower. So. I, you know, I'm a little disappointed <laughs> in that. I wanted to know if like a Molson shower would feel different than like a Modelo shower, but uh, I don't know. Uh, but being able to come back to BMO with another three, nothing lead in our pocket, uh, Jonathan, the the tone was set early against Vancouver, and then we just come right out and pick up right where we left off. You would have thought with a 3-0 lead, three away goals, 
we would have done something similar to Alajuelense and, and played on the back foot a little bit. I think what you've clearly seen is a reaction and an adaptation to that first series. Uh, we go up 3 nothing. We kind of cruised through that second home leg of the first matchup. And I think we learned when we were down 2-0, oh, snap, we'd better get ourselves together here. Uh, so against Vancouver, they, they quickly righted that ship. Uh, and I thought they would stop after scoring one goal, but nope, nope, that's that's not in the DNA of this team. The black and gold are going to trounce on anybody. I, I think any thought of this team kind of coasting through any of these matches, I was quickly erased in that match. And that gives me a lot of confidence going into the next legs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Eric, let's talk just a little bit about our next opponent who we had to go through, an opponent that we knew all too well from, dare I say, the greatest major league soccer match ever played the 2022 MLS cup final. I don't think any casual fan, let alone supporter of LAFC will disagree with that. But Eric, we knew what we were going up against in Philadelphia and they gave us all they could handle at Philadelphia. They, they did. They, they had been waiting for us to play in their house for five years, I think at least now. And that was kind of one of the, one of their mantras on it was like, yeah, you haven't played us at home yet. You got to play us at home. You know, we always play you there, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, 1-1 was pretty respectable coming back. Philadelphia, we've always seen as a good road team, and they seem to always draw us at, in our house. And so a 1-1 victory really doesn't feel safe. I definitely respect Philadelphia a lot as an opponent. I think they're one of the top teams in the league. They're well-run, well-organized. And so, you know, Coming out of their 1-1 was a fantastic result, but we, you know, it, we, it looked like we had a lot more work on it, and then they came and just thoroughly destroyed them and to the point where it almost looked like they broke the team, and that's, that's what Trondolo does at this point. Yeah, uh, Philly, you had some very strong feelings about that 3 nothing beatdown at BMO when we took the Philadelphia behind the woodshed for really the first time ever, uh, or at least in the last two years. Talk to us about the message that that sent going forward, obviously Leon looks at that match and has to be thinking they might be in a little bit of trouble. We snatched a draw from the hands of their victory, but we still left them that shroud of, well, we can still beat this team. They barely got by us this last time around. They barely got by us during MLS Cup Final. We are better than Los Angeles. This is the mindset of, of, of Curtin and, and, and company and, of course, the Sons of Ben. But red card to you all. We took every bit of confidence that you had and destroyed them. Absolutely walloped them. As, as Eric said, broke their spirit. We didn't only come at them with one goal. We came at them with three goals. Timothy Tillman, Mahala, uh, Denny just scoring goals. Look, the Philadelphia Union had a great season last year. And they're starting to come up this time around. But let's face it, that team in that city has not been winner, has been a winner since the days of Benjamin Franklin. If there's anything that we can say right here is that we can put up a great deal of goals. I mean, look, we've practically scored three goals in every single game with the exception of two throughout our first, what, two, four, six games within this CONCACAF Champions League. We're a high-scoring, high-powered team. And if we can absolutely demolish the quote-unquote second-best team in Major League Soccer, I think we're... Uh, I think Leon's looking at us with a little bit of fear and intimidation. 
Yeah, you but can also see our chip on their shoulder, obviously having lost to us last time around. Yeah, you can see our buddy Punk in the chat there uh, saying once we tied 1-1 to Philly in their house, he knew we'd beat them at BMO. Uh, Philly gave us the first prop of the evening, but Travis, you gave us the first swear of the evening. If I could throw it <laughs> back to you for just a minute. Uh, we get past Philadelphia, a club that, look, we know how talented they were, right? What does that say about this club and their readiness moving into, obviously, the final uh, two legs against Leon? One thing I want to say about Philly is that Jim Curtin is not as good of a dresser as he thinks he is. And I just want to make sure I get that on the record. People always talk about his fancy jacket that costs $3,000. It's just like a jacket with a hood on it. So I just want to make sure everyone knows Jim Curtin <laughs> thinks he's a much better dresser than he actually is. Um, second, I think the message that we're sending uh, is that, you know, if we win this game against Leon, I think we can say without a shadow of a doubt, we are the best MLS team in the history of the league because in the course of just over six months, we will have won MLS Cup, Supporter Shield, and the Champions League, something no one has ever done. So if you're Leon looking to face us, you're saying, well, we know we're playing probably the best team on the continent right now. Um, and they know that they're the underdog, especially after we dominated Philadelphia, this team that was supposed to be the best team in the league coming in. Um, and we've seen... That while, like Philly said, they're getting a little bit better, um, they're not as exciting as all the the folks on Extra Time wanted to tell us at the beginning of the season. <laughs> I love it. Luke, uh, first, quick thoughts on Jim Curtin's jacket, but then also <laughs> uh, on that statement, Travis says, uh, we're the best team on the continent if we win this best MLS team of all time, potentially. Your thoughts? Well, I don't. I have no comment on Jim, Jim Curtin's uh, style of dress. I'm the last person that you want to ask for what to wear. Uh, I think well, I, I appreciate that the scoreline is very beneficial to us. However, I think we need to recognize that it was still one zero in that second leg against Philly until the 82nd minute, and at any point they could have tied that up, and in fact had some really good chances when they were down a player to send that one. To PKs, so I just I want to be I want to be mindful that like yeah this scoreline actually looks really great for us and uh, these have been some I mean uh, Vancouver notwithstanding um, and the the other thing that sticks out for me in this sort of the main takeaway from this is Denny 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 because going into this season I think some of us had some sense that Denny Buanga was going to be a good player. Uh, and one of the questions we ask on LGBTFC of all of our guests is who they think is the sexiest men's player, past or present. And lately, we have consistently been getting Denny Buwanga. And I have been seeing that in the Twitter and Instagram sphere as well from a lot of folks who probably listen to this podcast or to this, to this show or were listening to this tonight even. Um, Denny has really been showing uh, how to play this game. And I don't know how many of those numbers are on this screen here that we can attribute to him, but a lot of them. Yeah, look, Danny Bowanga has certainly, dare I say, maybe been the best player in the continent uh, throughout this entire tournament. I don't think there's much of, uh, I don't think there's much of debate on that. But let's talk about real quick now who else besides Denny Bowanga has really shown you something in Champions League? Because I think we can all agree that playing against the same teams week in and week out in Major League Soccer. That brings out one type of player, but to be able to do it 
on in an international tournament in these two-legged formats, it really takes something a little different, right? You get to see a team and then they adjust and you adjust. Um, uh, let, let me start out with uh, with Araceli. Araceli, besides Denny Bawanga, right? Because I think he's the he's the elephant in the room. Let's let's talk about anybody else other than Denny Bawanga. Who do you have as a player that has really shown us something throughout these first three uh, two-legged matches? I got to give it to McCarthy. He's really shown what he can do in goal because I know that was definitely one of the biggest questions. Who was going to be in goal with Max being out for so long? And McCarthy has just proven himself time and time again, not only in CCL, but also just in regular season matches and in every uh, competition thus far. So my vote goes to him. Yeah, Philly, you're you're the one that keeps all these stats, right? I think you you had the stat on John McCarthy at one point, right? Like how many more saves or where he was in terms of save leaders? Yeah, going into the series with the Philadelphia Union, he led all CONCACAF goalkeepers with shots saved. He was he almost had more than double what Andre Blake had. So, you know, a testament to our defense. It certainly improved this year as compared to the past couple of seasons. But J-Mac leaves no, no, no doubt that he is a starting goalkeeper within this league. And, I mean, he came up for us time and time again. And I don't think the Kenneth Vermeers – the Tyler Millers, the Tomas Romeros, the Buba Lopez's, any keeper that we had in the past could have put up the performance and the numbers that J-Mac did over the course of these three ga- uh, these three rounds. Okay, but maybe if we put two of them back there at the same time, they could. We never know. We'll never know until we try. Um, and, and were there any other uh, – I'll give it to anybody in the room here. Anybody else uh, have a player who really stood out? I, I love McCarthy, obviously, and Denny Bowanga. Uh, I got I got Jonathan there from uh, from shoulder, and then Joseph will hit you up too. Uh, Joseph, I hope I'm not stealing your thunder here by saying Herr Tillman, uh, the man who's about to get thunder. I can't. You thunder stealing (laughs) jerk. Um, At the onset of this season, Timothy Tillman was a depth piece. He was not someone we thought we could count on in the midfield. We were happy to have that depth, but I think we saw him as a stopgap and potentially a developmental piece. We didn't think this would be a guy who'd be storming out and scoring that first goal at home against Philadelphia like he did. Timothy Tillman is now a staple in the lineup. There are lots of people who prefer him in that starting 11, and his performances throughout the course of the Conca Champions has been a revelation and part of the reason why I think so many people think he deserves those first team minutes. Yeah, you can see La Flame in the chat. Tillman has been exceptional. Uh, Joseph, why not? Let's talk more about Timothy Tillman. Yeah, I mean, he's basically played himself into the starting lineup and, and pretty much gave us a reason to move Sifu on. I mean, really. It's not that Sifu's been really, really bad. He's been underperforming. Yeah. But look at the guy taking his spot. It's really hard to look good compared to a guy like Tillman right now. He's just At- there. Yeah, absolutely. Performing uh, week in and week out. We had Alexander who just had his chat. I know he is one of the biggest Ilya supporters out there. So he brings up Ilya. Mm-hmm. Travis, you wanted to mention somebody else too. Yeah, I, I think a, a guy that we haven't talked a lot about this season, and, and I can't speak to his whole season so far, but one performance that I want to talk about is Kellen Acosta in the first round against Philadelphia, yep. where he got that whatever questionable handball where we couldn't see on the replay it would look like his head. But then within five to 10 minutes was fighting back and got that weird little dink of a goal. And if we left Philadelphia on a handball in the box, one zero, it would have felt a lot different going into that second leg. But coming in with an away goal because 
Acosta didn't let it get to him and he fought for that other goal, we were able to feel a lot more comfortable going in uh, to the second leg against Philadelphia. Yeah, I think that's absolutely huge. You bring up an incredible point. I mean, that was such a weird goal, right? The ball was almost kind of behind him, and then he, he kind of catches it with the back of his foot. Uh, Philly, Philly's raising his hand for once. This is fun. I'm going to call on Philly. Yes. You like that? I'm trying to be polite for a change. You usually yell at me for uh, constantly cutting in front of you. See, I'm, I'm learning, Scarf. I'm maturing. Uh, a player who, for us, always seems to rise to the occasion in the CONCACAF Champions League is Mahala. Mahala, over the course of the 12 games throughout Major League Soccer's regular season, only has two goals. But in the six games that he's played in CCL, he also has two goals. And let's, let's not forget, one of the biggest goals that he's ever scored in his LAFC career was that goal against Cruz Azul a couple of years ago. He seems to rise to the occasion on a bigger stage. And I think that his performance is very important and crucial for us going forward. I can yeah. still hear Bob Bradley in the background. Mahalo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. You guys, we are going to play, for all of you watching live, towards the end of the podcast, we are going to play a very fun game called Start or Sit. And a lot of these players' names are coming up. Please make sure you guys, we can't wait to hear what you think in the chat. So a little bit later on, we're going to play a really fun game with everybody. Go all the way around the room about start or sit. Uh, let's take a quick look at how Leon got here. Uh, we know, of course, we are playing Leon for the second time in our CONCACAF Champions League history. Uh, but Leon went through uh, the veritable gauntlet that is Tauro FC, Violet, and then, of course, Tigres. Uh, in their uh, last leg that they played. Now, Tauro, not, they didn't really provide a ton of opposition, one nothing, 2 nothing for a 3 nothing aggregate. And Violette, I, I want to pause here for a moment and talk about Violette. Violette, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they actually haven't played a full season since 2021. I, I believe I'm correct. Uh, Eric, do you want to do, do you yeah. you touch on Violette real quick there for us? Yeah, yeah, no, I you're correct. I believe they went 15 months without playing a game, something like that. Uh, Haiti has uh, all kinds of domestic strife. If people aren't aware, Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. It's, uh, you know, if, if, if those of you who haven't been to a third world country, it's very hard for us to even imagine what, what they're like, you know, until, until you see it. And so the absolute poverty that these guys came up from is, is just – it's a story in itself why why football is the beautiful game. It, you know, the Violette squad on transfer market was valued at $110,000 for the entire squad. They had to play their game in the Dominican Republic instead of Haiti because there was no field safe enough to play on. So they went to the Dominican Republic and you heard the, the wacky horns that they had when they played Austin. Like they had to like, shout out to like the greatest horn player ever. But they, they ended up beating a team worth on transfer market, something like 40 million. And it's, it's just absolutely crazy. Like seeing that kind of underdog story. And then, um, you know, their return leg with Austin as well. Only, I, I think nine guys could get visas to come back. And so they basically got another five uh, Haitian national players who are playing in division two or three here in the United States and patch that together to basically create one of the biggest underdog wins, I think, in history. So Violette is just I, – I fell in love with that team, in love with the story, and and bless those boys. 
Yeah, what you're talking about, by the way, is the way that Violette got to play in the in the second round against Leon was that they beat Austin FC. Yes, the same MLS Austin FC. Uh, the uh, it was such an incredible win over Austin. And then look, I know they lost their first leg five nothing, right? And and it has to be tough because another thing that you're you're not really saying, but I'll I'll just put it out there and say it. They might share a border. They're on the same large landmass, but the people in the Dominican Republic and the people in Haiti, they don't they don't always get along. Let's just put it that way. I'll, I'll just I'll just leave that there. So for that match to be moved to the Dominican Republic, for them to not be able to play in front of their home fans, but that for them to be able to get a win two to one in that environment, in that atmosphere. It was, it was absolutely incredible. And again, you're absolutely right. It's a Cinderella story. Um, the, the bigger matchup, obviously the carrot at the end of the stick was that we got to watch Leon against Tigres. And, and I would love to go around the room just to find out. Cause I'll be the first to say it. I was hoping we drew Tigres cause we've already played Leon. I'll be the first guy to say it. Why not? I'll be the bad guy. I was hoping we'd play Tigres. Uh, uh I don't know. How do you guys feel? Joseph, you you mentioned it when we were talking about the pre-show, right? A uh, little bit of a different feeling if we were going to Monterey. Yeah, not going to lie. I'd probably have tickets already and probably head out at the same time. Jonathan's heading out uh, <laughs> to, to head to Monterey uh, and, you know, try that one out because we love new away days. But yeah, it was it was definitely the vibe of let's try something new. Let's find out, you know, something new. Honestly, now seeing how they're, you know, in the final and I guess they're behind right now. Uh, maybe it wasn't the best plan to play them anyways, because it looks like they found themselves a bit at this point. Yeah. But hey, we'll take Leon and whoever is going, it's still going to be a lovely trip. Yeah. Speaking of uh, people that are going, Jonathan Reimer, uh, I believe the only one on this panel who is in I'm... fact going to Leon. This is my disappointment in all of you. Uh, <laughs> Joseph, you're forgiven. Uh, you went to Leon last time, so I, I will give you that as well, too. I know a couple of you guys uh, did as well, too. But I, I think we all thought it was going to be Tigres, right? Looking at the matchup between Leon and Tigres, Tigres was on paper the better team. But, of course, game ain't played on paper. Uh, so I think a lot of us were thinking about booking that trip down to Monterrey. Uh, Philly and I uh, got a chance to go there to do some indoor games earlier this year. My first trip down there this year. Would have loved to have gone back. It's a fantastic city. Uh, the stunning mountainscapes in the background. I think that that one photo from uh, the Rayado Stadium BBVA there where you see the mountain in the background. Everyone thinks like, oh, there's the one big mountain. But no, I mean, if you look at the whole city is capped by these giant picturesque peaks. And it's a really lovely town. Uh, I didn't know this till I went there, but it's actually the home of the restaurant train El Pollo Loco. Um, so, uh, uh -huh. uh, did not know that was from Monterey, but uh, it was a great town. Would have been really fun to uh, invade a much, much larger city in that case uh, with all of the black and gold faithful. But hey, we're heading back to Leon where where it all started. Look at that. Dropping dimes of knowledge like that. We got the El Pollo Loco franchise founded down there. I love that. We got Topo Chico's we got from there, too. Topo Chico and El Pollo Loco. I mean, come on. That's like half of your diet, Philly. <laughs> I've never had El Pollo Loco once. What are you talking about? You is that out true? All the time. It's, it's always Taco Bell after Loco? a night at the bank. Hold on. Have you never had El Pollo Loco? Never. 
Okay. Well, Philly might get banned from Los Angeles at that point. Uh, yeah. By the way, the update, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, in in the background, in life, uh, mm-hmm. Tigres and Chivas are playing in the second leg of the Gran Final, and it is now 2-2. It was 2-0 Chivas. It's now 2-2 Tigres. So this has been a, it's been a pretty interesting match. Uh, look, in, in the interest of not making this a three-hour podcast, let's move from how these teams got there so very quickly, let's take a look at if anybody can see that. I don't know. It's a pretty small graphic on my screen. But uh, if uh, if we're all doing this to play in the Club World Cup, what the heck do we have in store for us? Look, I believe all eight of us here on the panel think that, yes, LAFC is absolutely going to move on past Leon. We are going to get into the Club World Cup. We are likely going to play and beat the Erling Holland-led Manchester City team in the final. We're going to. <laughs> raising a trophy and it's going to be a parade down Figueroa into King Boulevard. And then at BMO stadium, it's going to be incredible, but let's take a quick look at how this CONCACAF, excuse me, how the uh, club world cup works. And this is a big year because this is the final year that the club world cup is going to be played in the way that it is going to be played. And Philly, you and I were talking about this a little bit. Let's just run down real quick. The, the way that the Club World Cup works and in terms of why we are playing to get where we're going. Yeah, well, first and foremost, we got to identify the host nation of this Club World Cup. And, of course, we're talking about Saudi Arabia. Dates for this Club World Cup? Right before Christmas time, folks, December 12th through December 22nd. The way it works is you've got six winners of their federations plus the host, which the host in this case is al Ittihad. They've qualified. Two other teams thus far have qualified for this, and that's Auckland City from the Oceania Football Confederation and Urawa Red Diamonds out of Japan representing the Asia Football Confederation. And while these names might not be household names to anybody really within the United States, I can't say I'm familiar with them. These are two clubs in particular that consistently go to the FIFA Club World Cup. And the reason why we don't have any other ones yet well, we still got some tournaments that go on. You mentioned Erling Holland and Manchester City, but but not so fast. They still got to get past Inter Milan on June the 10th. That'll be your fourth representation. Then it'll be us after we put the shebang bang on Leon. That'll be the next one. And then obviously you got Conmebol. This will all be figured out by November 4th. Heading into December, we will know everybody that is going to be participating in this FIFA Club World Cup. And fingers crossed, I still resent the fact that we lost to Tigres because they made it all the way to that FIFA Club World Cup against Bayern Munich. Could you imagine had we gotten to face Bayern Munich in the Club World Cup? Well, let's put it this way. If we would have and we would have beaten them, we may have not had this red and gold partnership that we do now. And who knows if that's even in jeopardy with the dismissal of Oliver Kahn. I'm going to beg to think no, but it would be awesome to see us move forward. And that, for the most part, is how this uh, FIFA Club World Cup thing is going to be running for the time being. Because as you mentioned, next year, completely different story. Yeah, I can the, think of at least three people in this room right now that would have had a really hard time if Bayern and LAFC were going <laughs> against each other in a Club World Cup. Yeah, uh, Joseph, your thoughts on that? Ah, man, it would have been great to play them, to be honest. Uh, You know, just the exposure of it all would have been beautiful. Um, I will say this, looking at the teams that did make it, uh, Urawa Red Diamonds, if you don't know, look them up, go on YouTube, check it out. Their active is pretty wild. 
it's it's fun to watch yeah uh, so they're gonna put on a show just like we'd put on a show if we get there yeah and look we were looking at the teams auckland city has it seems like they've made it almost every year for the last bunch of years they made it last year uh there's one uh the the african federation is uh al ali uh, from Cairo against Weedot AC from Casablanca. Ooh, uh, that match will be played in, in just a little bit. I, I'm i kind of bummed that there's a host country that we all go to to play. I would you imagine, oh, we're playing our first round in Cairo or Casablanca. Then we're going to Japan to play the, the second round. I mean, that would be incredible. Travis, the, the exposure, right? The idea to get this far is to see that you are now one of only seven clubs in the world that get invited to play in this tournament. What will that be like? Um, well, I don't think I'll be able to go. I, uh, MBS has wanted me dead for years, so I'm banned <laughs> from the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Um, so I need you guys to like, get me any swag you can get while you're there. Um, Got it. But I do think, you know, one positive will will be that the international community will learn that we're not the LA Galaxy. <laughs> the the international community has is the only uh, community in the soccer world that doesn't know uh, that we're dominating MLS. Um, but I don't know. Like when I think about what this club has accomplished in the last six years, it's way beyond what I could have imagined was possible in six years for a club. And the yeah. fact that we're talking about this and we're talking about it as if it's not just a maybe, but a likely is a wild uh, thing that I never would have guessed uh, when the club was announced eight or so years ago. Yeah. Luke, your thoughts. I mean, this is, it's the most prestigious club tournament in the world, right? Yep. And I'm not going because if we, if we are, if we get in and it's in Saudi Arabia, sorry, uh, as a gay man, I will not be going to Saudi Arabia, but I do hope that everyone who wants to go and feels happy going should go have a good time. And and I would just like to say it's it's unfortunate, right, that that that's the case because uh, one of the I'll say this one of the incredible facets of being a supporter of Los Angeles Football Club is that it really is football for everyone. Um, and, and I know that people from all walks of life, from all backgrounds, from all ethnicities, all beliefs, whatever it is, you have a home with the black and gold. Okay, I I don't want to say anything about the team 13 miles down the road in Carson, but what I can tell you is the club that truly does represent Los Angeles truly does want to have you as part of its supporters base. We don't care who you voted for, what you believe in, who you think you should marry or love or whatever else it might be. There is a home for you at LAFC. So if you're listening to this, maybe you're a fan of Urawa Red Diamonds. Maybe you're a supporter of Auckland City. Maybe you're just a giant Erling Holland fan and you want to see what's that club that we're going to play in the finals of the club world cup this year uh, for against Manchester city. Let's you might as well check it out. Uh, you have a place here at LAFC. So uh, JR, look, JR, did you just say that man city is going to beat Inter? Because I don't know among our fan base, if that's something that uh, folks would be totally down for. I am living in the world that Jason is living in right there with the with the comment on screen. I think the matchup that we all want to see, it, it's just going to be one person, right? Just put Erling Holland out there against LAFC. I think that'll be it'll be a really fun match to see if he can beat an entire eleven man squad from North America. Look, I think, correct me if I'm wrong. Everybody on the panel, that's the dream, right? Erling Holland final. That's that's why Eric. That's why we're doing all this, right? If AFC Richmond yep. can beat Man City, then we can. I mean, <laughs> Dolo right? versus Pep. Come on now. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, what, one of the things looking back uh, that for me, there was the Leon return leg that I went to. And I remember going to that and we were down 2 0 on aggregate. And at the time, MLS's record versus Liga MX teams in CCL was like six wins and 28 losses. So, you know, for me and our young LAFC, I'm like, nobody, nobody beats the Mexican teams. Like, and we're going into like, if we're one goal down, maybe we fight and make something, but two goals, it's like, that is such a huge hill. And then they ended up coming back and winning it. And then the other craziness happened. And then, you know, a year later we played and we, we got through those games. So Tigres is one I would have loved to see. Um, you know, you always want to see your club stack up against against the best. And the biggest heartbreak for me with that is because, you know, before we get to Man City, we have, you know, I'm married to a South American and we have the Comnibal side, which those teams are huge. And those teams are capable of beating Man Cities. They're, you know, they're underdogs, but those teams are on a whole other level from us. And that year... Uh, we had Palmeiras. Palmeiras had just won Libertadores for the first time yep. in 20 years, three days before the Club World Cup. Those guys were still hung over on that plane when they played Tigres, who we only didn't get because of that BS, a Twesta red card against Club America. Otherwise, that would have been us against Bayern Munich. Palmeiras would have went down. My wife's family would have went nuts because they're like multi-generational porcos. And, uh, you know, and that would have been that. And, like, it would have been the most epic. And that was all stolen from us. So this is the last Club World Cup. We have to get in there. We have to beat a Flamengo or somebody massive from South America. And then we got to take it to Man City. And that's it. Black and gold all day. We're going all the way, baby. I love it. Listen. I love it. Just, and that's a wrap, folks. <laughs> change listen, the world. just to confuse all of the American soccer fans out there, there's a team from Uruguay called Boston River. I kind of want that to be the team that makes it just so we can have a lot of very confused American football fans wondering why we're playing a team called Boston River. Are their uh, fans just as annoying as Boston sports fans? <laughs> I imagine I imagine they're probably at least nicer than Boston if we, sports. If we showed up there and dumped a bunch of tea in their harbor, would they even get the joke? <laughs> I, I hope so. Look, there are also two teams from Bolivia. One is just called The Strongest. I really okay. want to play a team called The Strongest. But my other favorite is the third place team, and that is just called Always Ready. Like, the, I want to play against The Strongest or Always Ready just because that I feel like I, I'm picturing Max Bredos on the call, right? And it's almost like the Kentucky Derby as you're going down. And it's Always Ready violate. They're down. The, I just I just want to hear that call. I don't know. Maybe that's just Ucha Magooch, Susudio. <laughs> That was an incredible call, the St. Louis goal yesterday. That was amazing. Uh, Araceli, let's talk about it real quick. This is the the final Club World Cup in this format, seven teams. It goes to, what is it, 25 teams or something like that next year. Uh, what will it mean if LAFC, look, we're, we are pie in the skying it right now for fun because that's what we get to do. We're all LAFC supporters. The last iteration of the Club World Cup in this present structure what would it mean for, for LAFC if, 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 and how, and the way, whatever we can do? I mean, it's going to mean a, a lot for the club, especially with it being the last of its kind for this year. And just to see LAFC get invited, let alone the possibility of winning it all, there, there's definitely going to be a lot of the line and all eyes. I mean, like, let's put it this way. The whole world is already watching LAFC. There's no doubt. Yep. Now, if we put them on the biggest stage or one of the biggest stages, it's just going to elevate the popularity even more. My only concern, if any, 
which is we would have more eyes on our players and now we would really have to like get a hold of them and try to keep them as long as we can. But aside from that, I mean, really any exposure this club gets, it's, it's always beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about real quick where LAFC would get slaughtered. We actually wouldn't play in what they call the first round. The first round uh, would be uh, Al Ali against Widad. Uh, oh no, excuse me. It would be, yeah. Uh, no, I think I'm wrong on that. I apologize. It's Auckland against Al Etihad. Auckland against Al Etihad is the first round. And so we get slotted in the second round. So we would play the winner uh, of, we would play the winner of Auckland City or Al Etihad, or we could play the Urawa Red Diamonds or, or one more, Al Ali or Widad AC, the winner of that match in, this, in the African Federation. So it's not like we would be able to play against Manchester City right away. It's not like uh, we would be able to play against uh, Inter, uh, you know, all of that. But again, uh, winter break, December, was it 12th to the 22nd in Saudi Arabia, the Club World Cup. Uh, we do just want to touch on last year, Seattle Sounders becoming the first ever major league soccer team to advance into the club world cup. Unfortunately, that same Al Ali team that will play against Widad AC for the African Federation spot wound up beating them in the 88th minute. Uh, we were all watching that. Luke, do you remember, do you remember anything about that game? I know you were, you were watching that game as well. You're shaking your head. What do you remember about that match? Uh, yeah, I mean, Seattle looked like a team that hadn't had much play yet for the season. That's what I remember. It looked like, you know, if you had just picked 11 guys off of, uh, you know, a crowd of soccer players and said, go, go fly over to Africa and play a game. That's kind of what happened. Yeah. Philly, let me ask you something with uh, I forget who brought it up. It might have been Eric. It might have been Travis. I don't remember who. But our win in the first leg, the the three nothing win was what three weeks into our season or so uh, Philly with Steve Trundolo at the helm with what we've seen uh, over the course of, of his tenure here, that match would come what December 12th ish. Right. So after MLS cup, after we win MLS cup for the second time, we would have a little bit of a rest and then we would start our club world cup action. Are you worried at all that there might be a little drop off, maybe a little fatigue, whatever there might be going into the club world cup. When we win and repeat as MLS Cup champions, we will have a couple of weeks to rest. And one thing that I have known in my 42 years on this planet is hangovers don't last a month. So they're going to go in wanting to go in other uncharted territories. Look, as awesome as Seattle's win for the uh, in, in CCL last year, they didn't represent very well within the FIFA Club World Cup. Uh, Mohamed Magby scored that 88th goal, that mid, that goal in the 88th minute propelling Al Ali over Seattle. I don't think that happens against an LAFC, especially one that is wanting to collect trophies. This is a team that, with the exception of maybe a U.S. Open Cup, wants to dominate in every single aspect and every single avenue that they can. The performance in the lineup that Steve put out against the Galaxy pretty much stead, full uh, full steam ahead, CONCACAF Champions League. And once that gets accomplished, you go on to the next phase. You don't, you, you, you don't rest on your laurels. You move on to the next round. And if you want that dream matchup against Erling Holland, or who knows, maybe Lukaku, I, we don't want to say Manchester City is going to win right off the bat. I certainly don't want Manchester City to win right off the bat. I don't think it affects them whatsoever. They're professional athletes. They, they'll get a couple, they'll get a week off if anything. 
But knowing this club and Steve Chirondolo, they may get to celebrate one day. Then it's back to the training grounds at, at the campus of Cal State LA the next day to get ready for this next opponent, should it be whoever it is that we're going up against in December. Philly, you're only allowed two-word response to this. Which Premier League team do you support? The other Manchester side. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eric, I wanted to touch, uh, throw it over to you for a second. You had some thoughts on Seattle I know you wanted to share with everybody. Yeah, you know, I, we, we listened last season as everybody talked about, you know, the, the pundits, the, the greatest MLS club of all time, the 22 Seattle Sounders. Fuck the Seattle Sounders. They went over there. They were also the very first MLS team to get bounced out of the Club World Cup in one game. So the bar for us to be the greatest North American and the greatest MLS team of all time, it's there for us to grab. All we got to do is win one game. And that instantly makes us miles better than them, which we are. But then we can just rub that in their face because it's kind of a trashy team, guys. What can I say? <laughs> Wait, can we bring Abel's question back up one yeah. more time? Let's yeah, put yeah, it I want to address everybody. that. Nice. A- any- anyone else here get annoyed by other fans telling us how we should support Seattle during CCL on the Club World Cup? Look at all those hands raised. Eric, I don't need to know how you feel on the topic. You just let everybody know. But uh, Abel, we appreciate the question the answer is of course all of us yes i i will uh, and i'll say this in 2015 i i was i've been a seattle sounders supporters before i was an lafc supporter i don't mind saying that they, oh God, who gave philly access to the soundboard uh i but i've said it over and over and over again on our podcast i got a lot of free stuff as a game tester for activision and there were a lot of xbox 360 jerseys that they sent me it was this emerald green so i wore a lot of that uh, so from like, I don't know, 2009 to 2015 or so, I was a Sounders fan. And you couldn't catch me supporting the Seattle Sounders for anything other than getting bounced out of the Club World Cup. I completely agree. All right, let's 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 get back in our time machines. Let's do the Wayne World. The uh, we're going back to 2020. And we're talking about Leon. Of course, we go down to Leon for the first leg. We've already talked about what happened. There was a 2-0 loss down there. But, you know, Joseph, you and I were talking a little bit before we all went on. We, the supporters for LAFC, we, the club that played out there on the pitch, it really did kind of feel like it was our first real away day, a competitive away days. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit of a wake up call. Uh, it had to be a wake up call, right? Our first international away day. Uh, amazing. The amount of people again, they came out. But we had an experience. Let's just say that. We weren't there to be tourists and just be tourists. I mean, those who were there know you had about a two-mile walk from where our meeting space was to the match itself. So they pretty much walked us to death before we got there. Now, if you're expecting to get a fine drink and get ready to go in, instead you were met with riot police, right? Welcoming you in, but not welcoming in a belt or anything else that you could carry into the stadium. And then when you're in, there was no running water, right? Yep. You're basically in a cage. Go for it. Don't go out of the cage. Don't take your shoes off. or get kicked out for that. And you're in a different world, a very different world. In terms of support that we face head on, we now had to face a group that was experienced. That was loud. That was a bit shocking for many of the people that were there. Now, those of us that have been in the 3252 for a while, we're kind of waiting for that moment. Got to prove yourself against a bigger side, Right. But a lot of us there were were from other parts of the stadium, right? And so it was a re- really one of their few experiences where they actually had to be in a supporter section and were, were asked to support for the full 90. 
And so they got a bit of a wake up call. And those who went, you know, got to admit that the early parts of that game, uh, we, we kind of got a lesson from those guys. Uh, they were very organized. They knew how to time us up. Uh, they were they were counter chanting on us. And, and really, it took us almost half the game to find ourselves. We did find ourselves. I mean, we did. We, we represented well. We went wild. It was one heck of a moment. But. Yeah, uh, really. We, we got introduced to what supporter culture actually is like outside of, of MLS. Yeah, Jonathan, you and I had a spectacular time. We we hung out quite a bit together in Leon. We went up to the top of that beautiful statue. El uh, Cristo we, Rey. That was an incredible uh, little trip that you, uh, me, and Nina, we all got to go up there for that. But the in-stadium experience that Joseph is alluding to was a very different experience than anything I had ever felt before. How about you? Uh, this might be a little bit of a controversial take, but I guess uh, turnabout being fair play was uh, was only fair that the Americans got thrown in the cages this time. But um, Ooh, I'll leave that one alone. But uh, yeah, it was not what anyone who has ever been on any kind of away day would expect. Um, you know, we were expecting them to milk us for every penny we were worth with all kinds of concessions. And, you know, even when we get locked in a cage in Carson, they at least sell us beer and hot dogs. Um you know, for $40 a beer. I think we were all expecting similar treatment there. And I think the only thing they showed up with was like this little lady, like walking around a casino with a tray in front of her that had nothing but like salty snacks on it to take your voice away. It was a coordinated effort to stifle us from supporters straight through to front office. And I think it really was a rude awakening for a lot of people who are not familiar with the North End or the supporter experience. And frankly, even for us in the 3252, it took a moment for us to adapt to that whole scenario. Yeah, the uh, I think they brought us orange soda by about the 74th yeah. minute or so, if I remember correctly. We all they, they came out with it right as they think they scored. No, they scored that second goal a little bit late. We'll talk about that goal uh, in just a second. But uh, having never been to an away days before me. Hi. Uh, I, I literally I, I turned. I think I asked you at one point, Joseph, is this what they're all like? Like this was because <laughs> this Toto definitely knew he wasn't in Kansas anymore. But I don't think I had ever felt anything like that, the cage. But then I will say this, after the match, we lose 2 nothing. I don't think I've met nicer supporters from a- any club since. I mean, I, I purposefully brought the Carlos Vela scarf. I think you've got it right behind you, Eric, the, uh, the scarf that's over your right shoulder there. Yep. I brought one of those down to Leon with me uh, so that I could trade it with somebody there. And they were super happy to see the, the Carlos Vela scarf. And I've, I've got, where is it there? This one, right? There, there we go. I got that scarf. That's the one I traded for. And it's look, I, I have the nickname of the scarf. This was the first ever scarf that I traded for. I, I had never felt that international experience of sharing one's culture through scarves in the way that I felt like that. And it was just, it was a really cool atmosphere. And then we walked out of the stadium and there were those horse police that were kind of lining way as we left. And, and horse ponies. Horse ponies. And oddly enough, it wasn't nearly as long, Joseph, of a walk back to where we had to go than when we were going to the stadium. It was as if they took us on that long way on purpose. They did. No, there was no doubt. There was a lot of turns that weren't expected. And, and, and yeah, it was definitely meant to, I think, delay our entry to make sure their supporters were in and secure first. Yep. Even though they're all around town. Um, <laughs> I do know that those who kind of left the walk back... Uh, did get into a little bit of of 
shenanigans, right? right, right. And you know, I'll, I'll just advise everybody going to this next one, follow directions, you'll get home safe. That's how it operates. Uh, and so, yeah, they definitely, if you weren't, if you weren't playing ball and, and getting smart with it, it was a tough day after the game. But like you said, for those of us that did what we needed to do, it became an entertaining moment. Sad that we lost in the moment. Right. But hey, we got through it. Absolutely. And look, it was a, it was a rough match, right? 21st minute, uh, Manessa scores that, that goal. And it really, it, it brought their crowd to a different kind of a fervor. It was an entirely different atmosphere. But what I thought at the time, I actually went back and looked at my notes for that match in prep for this pod. I really thought that 88th minute goal by Angel Mania would be a backbreaker for us. You thought, okay, we're down one nothing, but it was a home goal. Going down 2 nothing right there at the tail end, it really felt like it would be an incredible hill that we would have to climb. And Eric, getting just one shot on target that entire first match, you had to think going into that second leg at Bank of California Stadium that it would take a Herculean effort to overcome that 2 nothing away loss. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, we just looked completely outclassed there. And just based on that game, you, you just didn't really know what could happen. But the boys dug deep. And at the end of it, it was we had Diego back then. And man, I remember going to that game, just just thinking to myself and and I, I remember this and maybe you all will agree. It's the most I've ever seen the opposing fan base take over our stadium. It was it was very close to 50 50 Leon fans in our house, you know, and th their fans there were super nice as well. But, you know, it's I, I've never seen that many away fans. And so I was going there. I was like, you know. I don't think we're going to win this game, but I'm going to go there and support my team. Like, you know, I, and I think a lot of people were just like, I, I don't want to watch his bloodbath. And, and, uh, but yeah, we were until our cup final to me, that club Leon victory was the greatest victory that we had had you know, up until, up until last season. And that Rossi goal, I mean, you all know it's, it was so loud in the bank. It brought the whole house down. It was just one of those crazy moments. Yeah, I think the bank had a roof on it up until that match. Now it's an open-air stadium. It's, uh, it's a pretty cool environment there at, at the bank or at BMO. Travis, you were shaking your head. Lots of agreement there in remembering that incredible 3 nothing win at Bank California Stadium. Yeah, I mean, I think going in, the expectation was, well, you know, we know how this is going to end. We're going to lose. But, you know, who knows? Crazy things can happen. But I, I went in, I went with my friend who hadn't been to a game before, and I was just like, you know, we're probably going to lose. Even if we win two zero, we're still, or, or one zero, we still are going to lose this game. Um, and it was by far the most fun I had had at BMO up until the cup final, just like Eric said. And I also remember uh, I traded a scarf with an old gentleman in a wheelchair uh, at that game. And afterwards for the last few years, I've been thinking about it. And I'm like, I don't know if he knew it was a permanent trade, I am worried that I stole an old man's scarf. So if anyone sees an old man in a wheelchair who's sad at the game this time around, let him know that I'll give it back to him if he wants it. Yeah, we'll make sure to give him all your information too so he can track you down for sure. Yeah, it was also right before COVID and I remember high-fiving people and then immediately putting on hand sanitizer. <laughs> yeah, that it, it's crazy to think, right? How much has changed since that that match against Leon and how the entire CONCACAF Champions League that year changed. I mean, so much. Uh, but uh, Philly, 
77th minute goal from Carlos Vela, 79th minute goal from Diego Rossi. And I'll say this, uh, we were going absolutely ape where we were sitting. (laughs) No, we weren't, my friend. If you remember of the five or so games that I've ever missed in my life, including COVID, because we had the privilege of going there, along with Joseph Zacker, by the way, to cover things during media, I was in... I was in Rome with Panda. We were getting ready to hop a train to Florence. You called me like right after that Diego, after the game concluded. So I know you were celebrating because your voice, and it sounds kind of weird. Your voice was the first thing I heard that morning. (laughs) And it was a very jovial, excited voice. And I thought to myself, I can't believe I missed one of the greatest games in club history. Tubi. For those of you who don't know, T-U-B-I, that free streaming service, I love it. They advertised it on Christmas Tree Lane. I went and I downloaded the app, and that's how I got to actually watch the entire game again, on Tubi for free. So check that out. I mean, watching that game going back, it just looked like an incredible atmosphere, and it still pains me to think that I was in Italy, just as COVID was blowing up, by the way, missing one of the most incredible games in franchise history. My friend, you and I have seen a lot of games next to each other, but that's I hate true. to say that was one game we did not enjoy together. No, that's true, and I apologize because you and I were talking about, how, hey, isn't COVID, COVID ravaging Italy right now? And aren't you, I don't know, in Italy right now? And <laughs> yeah. we had that great conversation, how, how much the world has changed. Uh, Luke, LAFC went from able to to get just one shot on target in Leon to allowing zero shots on target against Leon at Bank of California Stadium. I think that was where we can all kind of agree, Luke, that we kind of put our our club on the international map just a little bit there with that three nothing win. I mean, I think that's a very fair point. And I will never forget from where we sit in the South End, the Diego Rossi Schross right? Because from yep. where we were sitting, that ball went like this arc and then it hit the post. And I was like, wait, did that just go in? And <laughs> oh, everyone boy. lost their minds in the North end. And it just sort of swept to the South end because we realized that it had gone in, but it took a moment because it didn't look like a shot, right? It was, it looked like he was aiming for somebody else. Uh, but yeah, no, I, when we went to that game and, and like Eric was talking about, I think it was, Eric was saying that like half the stadium was Leon fans. We had a bunch of them sitting around us, and I was like, "Well, uh, I hope you have a good game because I don't know that we're gonna, you know, we're just we're gonna do what we do, and we'll have a good time." And then Vela scored in the first half, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, this is good, this is good." And then it was like, "Oh, you know, you know, biting the fingernails times again." And then, and then, and then the seventy seventh and seventy ninth minute, and oh my god, I have never, mm, mm. Not until not until that galaxy that five three galaxy playoff win uh, later was did we ever have that kind of experience in that stadium and and then then again uh, MLS Cup I mean just wow wow yeah I think we can all agree if you put up the Mount Rushmore of your your four LAFC matches at BMO uh, it, there's no doubt in my mind that that match is easily one of the four and, and what's crazy is we all remember the stadium as being half full of Leon fans. And yet we all remember that match as being the single loudest that the bank has ever been up until that moment. So absolutely incredible. Araceli, let me, let me ask you, let's, let's work. Let's go in the way back machine here. Let's talk about some of the big names that played a role 
in that match. Kenneth Vermeer, Tristan Blackman, Dayan Yakovich, Eddie Segura, Brian Rodriguez, Pancho Ginella, and subbing in off the bench for both games, the pride of Loyola Marymount University, Adrian Perez. Let me ask you, uh, let me ask you a quick question here, Araceli. How different is this LAFC squad compared to what we were looking at in 2020? Man, that is crazy when you just listed all of those names. And the only thing, that was like three years ago because right? I still remember that game. I was at the bank for that. Yep. And I remember even when Philly just mentioned Italy, like I still remember that conversation. Like if it happened yesterday, it's just it's wild what, what sticks in uh, your memory. But I mean, looking at that roster versus the roster of today, I mean, in terms of... I don't know how exactly the right words to use for this because I don't want to diss the roster of 2020, obviously. Just but say I it. Just say it. We know what you're thinking. Just say it. <laughs> I, I see more of a brotherhood with this roster. There's definitely um, a sense of family with them. And I don't know if it's because they've already played so many matches this season, but you, you can just tell they want it. No, I love it. Uh, Travis, your thoughts on those, the, the pantheon of greats that I just named versus the, uh, the, the club that we have going up against them in 2023. You know, every night I, I wish Kenneth Vermeer was still with our club. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about Kenneth Vermeer. Um, no, what's funny is I, I was going back and looking at who, when we played in the finals and we did have a couple more guys with us Sifu played for 60 minutes in the finals because we signed him in between the time from Leon to Tigres. Yep. And so we do have some experience in these high pressure games, even if we lost. And I, I it's interesting to think that we had Sifu and Apoku in the same tournament when we had the guys that you just listed, because it seems like that COVID break was when our team transitioned from um, bad to good <laughs> right 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 it, it might have also had something to do with the head man i don't know i'm just gonna leave toronto fc out of this for right now but they seem uh, like they're doing well i think they, i think they'll be fine they'll yeah. be just fine everything looks <laughs> a lot great of cohesion there. in that locker room right now <laughs> mm -hmm. but good guys let's talk about uh jonathan we, we do have two players on our roster still who played almost every single minute uh and that would be uh carlos vela and cheeky palacios of those matches against leon uh, so they've seen this Leon team before. They've seen, uh, you know, what it's going to be like down there at Estadio Leon and here at BMO. Carlos Vela, Cheeky Palacios. Uh, I know technically, right, Eddie Segura? The shade, the shade you are throwing at my boy, Eddie Segura, right I now. I love Eddie. Look, can I, a quick segue. Eddie Segura left me alone to watch his child after a match one time while he had to run back in to the bank. He so almost I have, took your hand off. I, yeah, I have. No, he, yeah, almost he, he almost killed me, Scarf. On a shot. That is true. He, I think he remembered that time. But no, he had to run back in. He left something at his locker. And, and literally his, his wife and child are there. And I was like, that's okay. I'll watch it for you. He's like, okay, cool. Cool. I'll be right back. I love Eddie Segura. I love Eddie Segura. But technically rostered right now are Carlos Vela and Chiqui Palacios. Your thoughts on those two players. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I mean, the fact that they have been with our team for as long as they have, especially Carlos Vela in his case, the cornerstone of the franchise, the first man to get a statue will be Carlos Vela outside of this stadium. The continuity that those two players have brought and really the arc of Palacios. I mean, at this time, he was not considered the player that he is today. He has progressed so much, especially under Dolo, who played a very similar position throughout the course of his career. Uh, he's really become a much more prominent player than I think he was when we faced Leon last time. But, I mean, that's part of the roster rules in Major League Soccer and part of how the system is designed to break championship teams apart. And frankly, to me, it's not a testament to the two players that are still here. It's a testament to Dolo, the front office, the scouting team, you know, even Will Kuntz and, and other people who are no longer with us that helped reassemble this roster after that championship attempt and put together a championship team that we have seen throughout the course of these last six months, you know, and I think we're going to see a much stronger LAFC team this time around. I mean, last time we went down to Leon, we managed one shot on goal. Uh, Carlos Vela had a curler that went just wide. Diego Rossi missed a sitter. He ended up getting subbed out for. Um, and I think all of the frustrations of that game were washed away in the immediate next game. But this roster that we have today is so much more talented than that roster. It's really a testament to the FO. And Luke, you brought up a good, we, we have a, a very special members only chat going on while we're doing this whole podcast here. And Luke, uh, Luke brought up a, a really cool point to the, the age of Sifu, Apoku and Cheeky. You want to talk about that for a second, Luke? Well, I don't know for a fact if what I said in our private chat is correct, but I, I mean, we brought them all on as like teenagers, right? Like, so, you know, the happy foot, sad foot podcast has talked a lot about the uh, open cup and playing, uh, you know, the children, in in the open cup uh, we we had that in our in our ccl run right in 2019 like right. these guys were pretty young and they've gotten seasoned now with this club with this staff with this uh, approach that we bring week in and week out and i think we're all going to be counting on players like sifu apoku and cheeky moving forward uh let's take a look at how leon did this last year uh in liga Emekis. it has not been the smoothest of sailings for this club this season. And for those of you that don't know, uh, Liga Emekis plays two halves of a season, really, the Apertura and the Clausura. Uh, in the Apertura, this was not a very good Leon club. They wound up finishing 10th with just six wins from 17 matches. And I think the most glaring uh, stat out of uh, everything that they put forth through the Apertura is in those 17 matches. Yes, they scored 25, but they gave up 29 goals. 
And and I believe for for those of you that are far more well versed in Liga Emekis than I, I want to let you touch on this in a second. They they sacked their their head man. Uh, what was it? Was it midway through the Clausura or was it right after the Apertura? Somebody here, help me out. Uh, who's got who's got the? I'm trying to think. It was. Uh, I know Nicholas Larcamon, 38 year old by the way, younger than I am. A little upsetting. Uh, was brought on right around the first of the year um, to kind of right the ship. And this was a team that that really switched it on in the Clausura, played much better towards the end of the run. Uh, same 17 match, but eight wins from those 17 matches, finished in sixth place rather than 10th, and gave up 16 fewer goals in those 17 matches. And I think that's something that we need to take a look at. But one of the talking points, and I'll, I'll let uh, Philly, I want to have you talk about this real quick. Their last competitive match that they will have played will have been on May 7th, 24 days from when they are going to take us on in their own stadium. Philly, your thoughts not playing competitively for 24 days and then taking on LAFC. Well, before I get into that, I want to say Leon hasn't necessarily really been competitive since the 2020-2021 Apertura where they finished top of the uh, top of the charts. Since then, they've kind of been middling. Now, you can look at it from two schools of thought having a month or so off. You can talk about it from the perspective of they're going to come in very rusty. But let's face facts. They're still going to be training. They're going to be healthy. Their players are going to not have to deal with any injuries. They've rehabbed themselves. So in terms of like exhaustion and fatigue, that's not going to be a factor. But then you could also look at it from the other side of the coin, meaning that you really do get your reps and you do get your chemistry by playing games. All athletes, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about sixth graders, it doesn't matter if you're talking about professional athletes. It's the actual games and the competition themselves that people look forward to the most and when they rise to the occasion. So you can also argue that, well, they may be well-rested, but on the other side, they may be rusty as well. It all depends on, uh, on how the team approaches it. They're obviously not going to be hurt. But they are playing with something that, um, you know, they have an emotional advantage. Now, there was a legend that they had. Now, a legend in, Le in, in El Tree history as well as Leon. Antonio Carbajal passed away recently. This is a man who had 16 years in Leon. A man who had a lot of experience as the keeper for the Mexican national team. So they're playing with a little bit of passion and energy to represent the loss, his loss. Because he leaves a big, vo a big void in terms of the history of football down in Mexico. So that's something that's not necessarily going to be talked about as much. And I think that sort of gives them an extra bit of umph, an extra little bit of pep to their step to go out there and do what they can. That in addition to the fact that, well, LAFC absolutely ate their lunch for them in 2020. So I think them being well-rested is going to play a very important factor. Steve, during the last press conference that you and I were at, said almost everybody on LAFC is going to be healthy and ready for that game. Um, he didn't indicate who, but the smile and the smirk on his face led me to believe it was more than likely the legendary Chiellini. Yeah, we uh, Chiellini has has been seen a little bit on social media. Uh, unfortunately, he hasn't uh, he hasn't seen, been seen much on the pitch for us lately. Let me, let me throw this out to to Jonathan and to Eric as well. Is five months enough with a head coach? They they brought on. Uh, Nicholas Larcamon on January 1st of this year. Jonathan, is five months enough to be able to, to, to find your groove and to be able to be ready for a Champions League final? 
How did Dolo do his first five months into LAFC? He went from, and we all remember when that announcement came out, there were very few of us on Team Dolo the day he was denounced as the new gaffer for LAFC. Five months later, crickets from the Dolo out community. Five months is absolutely enough. I mean, Tomas Tuchel just won himself uh, you know, a Bundesliga championship just a few months into his tenure. He if got the, really I, lucky, John. Let's be honest. He did. Hey, he did. hey, hey. So, so did Rossi on, on the Shoss, right? So sometimes it pays to be lucky, right? Um, and there's certain amount of that as well, too. I don't think what's happening in Leon is luck. I think we are seeing the impact of a brilliant tactician, someone who understands X's and O's as well as anyone in Liga MX can. And I think that is a formidable opponent to be up against. And I wouldn't underestimate the man just because of his tenure. Yeah, Eric, your thoughts on their ability to kind of change shape and and really right the ship from their apertura performance to their clausura. Yeah, yeah. You know, anytime with a new coach, the the players at this level are all professional players. They They understand the game. They understand the different concepts. They understand how to execute within various schemes. So... On that end, these players are going to be fine. I think for a coach and with with Trundlo and kind of the things that uh, our our group always talks about is about ten games. Ten games together is enough time for the team to really gel with whatever the philosophy is. And with all the practice in between that, by ten games in, you're you're all you all should be on the same page at this level. And ten's uh, probably even really generous to do. It should be less than that. So as far as that, five months is plenty of time. Um, the, the one thing, uh, the one thing interesting, I think with, uh, with the resting time is we did pick up injuries, uh, as particular to Acosta since yep. Leon has played, you know, so, uh, there's always the other side of when you do play the games, but I, I do agree that that long of a rest works against you more than it works for you. Yeah. Let me throw out a question to everybody that wasn't really on our rundown, but I, I want to throw it out there. Was it the right move to play the kids in the in the open cup match against Carson at home. Uh, let, let me ask Travis, we'll start with you. I know you talked a lot about playing the kids in the open cup. What, what are, what are your thoughts? Was it the right move? I went back and forth. I think now that we know the outcome of that game, if we end up losing in the champions league final, I'm not saying that we, we will, I'm not saying that we will, but if we end up losing in the champions league final, we will have been knocked out of two tournaments in two weeks in a in a with a team that is maybe the best team I've said it again in MLS history. Um, so I went from saying we should play the kids to thinking we should play our best eleven. When I saw that the kids were there, I was resigned to that being what it was, and I was rooting for Nathan Ordaz's goal. Uh, but you know, I would have made a knowing we had a full week, I would have given us our full team a chance to win the Open Cup, and then also get in rhythm for the Champions League. Our, our best players haven't played together in a while now at this point. All right, Luke, I want you to comment on Dario's uh, comment that we can all see there. He says, I still don't get not starting the top team against the biggest rival. Eight days in between games and five substitutes. You cannot fear injuries. I get fatigue management, but now Carlos Vela has played 30 minutes in the last 14 days. Luke, your thoughts? Well, I get that. And imagine if we had started our first team against Galaxy and lost and someone got injured and then we're going to Leon. Imagine if all that had happened, right? Not saying I think people assume that if we had started our first team against Galaxy that we would have won. 
And I just got to point out that we were hanging on by the skin of our teeth when we won in their stadium last month because it turns out they only show up to a couple games a year and they happen to all be against us. And otherwise, they uh, don't do very well against teams like, I don't know, Charlotte, Columbus, you name it, and D.C. Um, you know, they can't score a goal, but somehow they can score them in bunches against us every time we play. Uh, so I don't want to assume anything about what would or would not have been the outcome based on what team we put out on the pitch there last week. Uh, I think that I trust in Steve and Steve decided that this was what we needed to do. And if it bears out in the CCL final, I suspect all will be for- forgiven. Yeah, look, we heard Travis put the curse on the team already by saying we're going to be knocked out of two <laughs> tournaments in two weeks. Araceli, let me, let me put it on it. me when it happens. Please <laughs> kick me out of the community, please. <laughs> we'll just get Darren in for the next time we do one of these. Don't worry, Travis. Uh, Araceli, your thoughts too. Playing the kids, letting everybody rest. Are we going to be in form? Is there something to be to be said about maybe resting too much? I'll say this. As Playing LAFC 2 for the Open Cup, when they played at Monterey Bay, that made sense. That was kind of more of their style. Going up against the Galaxy's first team, I'll admit, I'm a little 50-50 with that decision. Yes, I agree that it should have been more of a mix with the veterans, considering um, with CCL coming up in such a short amount of time. It, but also on the flip side, I'm glad to see that the LAFC2 kids did get that experience and hopefully gives them more of a spark. Because if you look at their season so far, they're 1-4-4. Four, four. They've only won one game, and we're already in week 10. So I, I know there's a lot of discussion going around LAFC2, and it, it's something that we really hit hard on with the Heart of LAFC pod because it, it's tough to watch these games sometimes. I'll be honest. But at the end of the day, I think it was kind of a good decision, given everything. But for, like, CCL, uh, it's going to be first team. I don't think there's going to be any worries. There might be one or two on the bench just as backups, just in case. But for the roster, I, I see it being first team. So, Yeah, Jonathan, you've got some thoughts on this as well. I think we're forgetting the fact that we played a game three days prior to that game versus Carson and had played like five games in the two weeks prior to that. None of us are privy to the medical information and the performance information that this coaching staff has. We have no idea what the measurements and levels and all that stuff that they test these players on looked like prior to that match. Right. And if they were at all at risk of injury, versus a Leon team that, as we've discussed, has taken basically a month off. Who cares about the U.S. Open Cup? MLS leadership doesn't really care about the U.S. Open Cup. It's not that important a competition anymore. Sorry, I still like the U.S. Open Cup. I would like for us to win it at one point in the future. But sacrificing it this year for the benefit of not having any of our players in that match that could potentially have been injured because of minutes accumulated. Let's be honest. If we were starting our first team, Carson would have come at them physically and we could have run the potential of Carson trying to do something shady to knock us out of the CCL, which I would not put past them given as horrible as things have gone for them so far this year. And what no one is talking about is the invaluable amount of experience that all of those kids got playing in their first Derby. And the next time they have to step up and their name is on that sheet 
to face Carson. This is something they have already done. And the benefits of that could be long lasting for seasons to come. And so we really have to take the long view with this game as frustrated as myself. And I'm sure almost all of us in the black and gold community are when we saw that team sheet come out. And it was kept pretty hush-hush. It wasn't really until we saw those kids come running out in the field and we all kind of went, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> um, and, and so I, I really, in retrospect and in hindsight in this case, you could look at this a lot of different ways. But those are just some points that I really don't hear a lot of people bringing up that I think need to be said. Yeah, and let me throw it over to Joseph. I know you guys were talking about it quite a bit. If somehow – those young kids were able to put one or two of those chances in the first half into the back of the net. What the narrative that we are talking about at that point? No, they, they took the game to them in the first half. There's, there's no doubt that they, they were more flustered than our kids were. I mean, it, there's no yeah. question that saved by Klinsman uh, towards the end of that first half should have been one, right? We should have had some in this one. We did get away with a penalty too, which was amazing. We were there. We were in it. It was the second half that decided it and ultimately the lack of depth on our side where it was yeah. just all kids coming off the bench. And, and I've said it. We could have afforded to have one or two of our guys available for this game. You didn't have to have Buanga. You didn't have to have Vela, right? The big names didn't have to be there. But that midfield needed help yeah. by the time the second half rolled around. And there was no way of adjusting. It was quite literally fielded as a friendly Here's the minutes. The minutes hit. You move on. Bring the other kids in. Let it go. And at the end of the day, we lost from a five-minute span where we got bloodied. We lost ourselves a bit. Then we found ourselves. And by the time we found ourselves, they had the 2-0 lead, and you weren't going to come back from this. Not with the players that we had on offer. Yeah. And that's what stuck with me. And I said it on our pod as well, that that you, you could have had a couple guys the other day. It didn't have to be the whole roster, but just a few a few players available just just to make them nervous. Let them go warm up. Whether they play or not, they're still there to be a threat. Could have said something for all of us there, like just a little bit better. Yeah, and we, we wouldn't have the payaso moment if the kids hadn't played. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd rather take the win. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, and either way, uh, La Flame is absolutely right. Ricky Pooch is still a payaso. Either way, mm -hmm. uh, uh, before we get into the players to watch in, in, for this match, LAFC against Leon coming up on May 31st, I just want to take a second to spotlight the chat. I don't know if you guys are looking at the chat along with everything that we're seeing. The chat is absolutely on fire. We just want to say thank you to everybody. We got a ton of eyes watching us as well. We absolutely would not be the same if it wasn't for this fiery chat. Thank you guys so much for making this happen. Absolutely incredible. All right. So we're getting set to play them in just a couple of days. Who do we have to watch on Leon? They know that Denny Bawanga and Carlos Vela are going to be walking through that door. But who do we need to look at in terms of Leon? Let me throw it first to one Christian, Philly Philemon. Philly, if you could pick one player, one player that you were going to tell everybody, all right, this is who you need to watch on Leon. Who's your guy? Well, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take two just because uh, you, you made me think of somebody else. I mean, their leading scorer, Victor Davila, is uh, the Chilean. He's a person to watch out for. Six goals over the course of the season. You want to watch out for one of their big scores. But the one guy that I kind of want to keep more of an eye on is the man who was a starter back in 2020 and who was a consistent starter for Leon. Leon still, Rodolfo Cota, their goalkeeper. That guy clearly 
remembers that loss at Bank of California Stadium. That's going to be a guy that's going to do everything he can to keep Danny Buanga, Carlos Vela, Timothy Tillman, Mahala out of the back of the net. So while we know they have a score, by the way, they only averaged about 1.35 goals per game. Over the course of their regular season, I think they only allowed like .76 in. You alluded to it earlier with their new coach. They allowed 16 less goals over the course of their last season. And a lot of that has to fall on their keeper, a man who has been there for a while and a man who has continued to be a consistent starter for Leon since we squared off against them in 2020. Yeah, Eric, I'm sure you've been keeping pretty good tabs on this Leon club. Uh, who's the player that you want to make sure we keep our eyes on heading into this match? Yeah, to me, and, and, and Philly stole my thunder a bit, but Kota, the goal, the goalkeeper as well, you know, it's uh, that that's where it's going to come from. He, he's going to have to, he's going to have to keep their back line in check. I think Leon, Leon can play kind of a very free flowing style. I think they're kind of a more of a chaotic and harder to predict side versus a Tigres. Tigres, I think is much more used to sides we're playing against, but Leon's a little more scrappy. So it's, it's going to come down to the goalkeeper, keeping their back line ordered and keeping their defense solid and a lot of communication. Cause otherwise our, our attack is, is a very good attack. And I think if uh, they lose their concentration or their shape, they're going to get punished. Yeah. Joseph, what about you? I know you've got some thoughts on Leon. Look, they score goals. The second part of the season, they were putting goals away um, at a, at a clip that, that rivals us. Uh, they are capable. The issue is their back line. Um, they leak just like they score, but they do score at a, good clip i mean i think it was a 2.3 goals in that last the last part of the season that's their average i mean they're putting the ball away um for me the issue will be the more of their midfield than their striker situation they have on helmana i think that guy is going to be a, a a threat to us all the way through uh cheeky's going to have a job to do that whole line I, I, everybody on that side is going to have some trouble um you know he's got what eight goals couple assists it, it's it's going to be tough it's going to be tough uh john manessis as well um, looking yep. at the lineup again, they're better than what we're giving them credit for. I think at this time, they're going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. Yeah. yeah all right. I, we're, I, I really, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're, we're just about to get the starter sit, but I want to throw it over to Jonathan Reimer real quick to close us out on this. Uh, is there a player? Are there players? If you want to be like Philly and take two, three, four, it's totally up to you, my friend. I'm going to go even higher than that. How many goal scorers do they have throughout the course of this CONCACAF Champions League run? And the answer is eight. They have Woo! eight different yeah. players that have found the back of the net throughout the course of this run. And I'm going to completely flip this question around because with this Leon team, the way they set up tactically, it's about the position someone rotates into. It's about staying on your man because anyone on this team can score. At times, they will just keep one defender back and that person's not scoring, but but the other eight players that are up front, not only can they, they have throughout the course of this very tournament this year had all eight of those people find the back of the net. So don't get too focused on one player um, because that could be deadly. But we still have Denny Bowanga, right? We're good. We got we got Denny. All right, cool. All right, guys, we're going to play a really fun game. And we're going to have everybody chime in on this segment, and this is going to be a lot of fun. I think, can we first all agree with the one ground rule? And if we could bring up uh, that first slide, I think we can all agree that these six players shown are going to be in the 11 no matter what. And those six players are Carlos Vela and Denny Bowanga up front. Ilya Sanchez and Kellen Acosta in the midfield. 
and Ryan Hollingshead and Cheeky Palacios on the back line. I think I think we can all agree on those six moving forward, but I would love to hear from anybody that that maybe disagrees with any of these six being a lock to start. All right, we got Eric. Yeah. Um Acosta, you know, he he went out injured a couple weeks ago, so it's it, is he really going to be back and and match fit is my my whole question. Sure. But I I think obviously if he's not there, it's probably going to be Sifu. I don't think anybody else, but um, you know. All right, but if he's match fit, you agree he's if he's, he's match part fit, hundred percent, he's there. It's just a question of health. All right, yeah. and is there? And by the way, uh, I think this is might be a. a picture from cheeky maybe a year or two ago he's got the little chin strap going on <laughs> uh but i think we can all agree that those is there anybody else that wants to maybe disagree no i think we're good all right so we're gonna go line by line and obviously by the way john mccarthy john mccarthy's starting i don't yeah. think we need to, to kenneth vermeer we got to put vermeer in you know what he is a free agent right now my friend he does have sign him sign <laughs> should be a free agent That's, yeah he's <laughs> He was so a moment expensive. of silence for his career. While we're at it, let's keep bringing Jamal Blackman as well. Oh, yeah. stringer right there. Yeah, no, guys. Uh, Bam, you're absolutely right. Yes, we just kind of assumed John McCarthy. You're not going to start him. We're not going to start Eldon Yakubovich or Abraham Romero over. I mean, last not. time we went to Leon, we bought three goalkeepers with us. So uh, <laughs> you know, did. who knows? <laughs> we did. We may still bring three, but I think we're hoping that only John McCarthy has to see the pitch. But let's play a really fun game called Start or Sit, and we're going to start with the back line. So obviously we've locked in our two outside backs, but let's bring up our four candidates to start or sit on the back line. We've got Jesus Murillo, Giorgio Chiellini, Aaron Long, and Daniil Maldonado. Obviously we've talked about the health of one Giorgio Chiellini being a huge factor here. Let me throw it over to Luke. Luke, if you're picking two of these center backs to start, who you got? Well, I think uh, Chiellini, we can probably say, is not going to be able to play. Um, and I don't know if Murillo is quite there yet or not. So I would go with Daniil and Aaron just by virtue of who's available. But my big hope is that Aaron will have another shot block from the ground, but this time with his right leg instead of his left. So he can really just round out the full experience. I love it. I love it. So you've got Aaron Long and Daniil Maldonado Philly. Look, you know I want Giorgio Chiellini out there if he's healthy or not. Obviously, that's not going to be the case. But who do you have starting in your back line in the middle? I mean, it's going to be Long and Daniil. And we know, well, we don't know, but Steve alluded to it. Giorgio's not there yet. So he's going to be sitting just because of health. But also, Mario's not going to be playing leg one because of that yellow card accumulation. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Thank you, Nestor. So Mario's yep. not playing. So one way or another, wherever, whether we like it or not, we know for a fact Aaron Long's going to get the start. If Giorgio Chiellini is healthy, I still don't think he's going to get the start just because he's he, it's not – I don't know how, what his match fitness is, whether or not he's going to be ready. It's going to be Long and Daniil. All right, so let's let's then throw the question forward a little bit. Second leg, if we've got Mario, obviously, not on the yellow card accumulation, you guys. What are we thinking, Travis? If everybody is available, let's. I guess we're going to take Chiellini off the board. Is that is that pretty much what we're doing? What are your thoughts? Yeah, if Chiellini, I mean, if Chiellini is fit and ready to go, and not like sort of fit, uh, I would put Chiellini in there. But if we're taking him off, then I think it's Long and Mario. I I think Daniil um, has done a great job, but I I was not an Aaron Long fan at the beginning of the season. I was yeah. not happy we signed him, and he has fully won me over. I think Aaron Long 
uh, is probably our third best center back. Uh, and I'd be happy to have him start beside Mario. I love that. Eric, what are your thoughts on the two center backs? Yeah, my, my, my starting two are going to be Mario and long. Uh, you know, I, I just think that this game is going to require much more intensity. You know, Giorgio is, uh, he, he's a very, he's the most clever player there is at center back. And, uh, he, he uses his intelligence to kind of keep himself, uh, keep, keep the step with the younger guys who are, you know, at this point, two decades younger than him running at him. But, you know, at, at some point as an old guy, it starts getting really tough. So I will go with the younger, fresh guys. Um, you know, if, so if with Mario gone, I guess we, we also have Palencia who might have to sub yeah. in there as well. But, um, uh, Ideally, the first two, Long and Mario, that's who I got. All right, Joseph, does Aaron Long's international experience, he's got plenty of uh, plenty of caps with the U.S. men's national team, does that factor in as to why you might start him or play him a little bit more than any of these other guys? I mean, I've got to be honest. I think we don't have a choice in this matter, right? Health is <laughs> right. health. Right. Um, even if Mario and Keelina are available, the limit it'll be limited minutes for both of them. Right, been a long yeah. time off. So I think yeah. your starters for both will likely be Maldonado and Long anyway, because the others just aren't going to be at a fitness level that can just get thrown into the mix. I just don't think it's there. Uh, that being said, with Long's experience, it's good, but it also slows you down a bit, right? With experience and, and wear and tear. Um, yeah, it's good to have the experience, but it's also better to be in in full form and, and feeling good. Let's not forget he was grabbing his hamstring at some point here too. Yeah, so. that was what, 55th minute or so. He kind of came off looking a little worse for where mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. All right. Uh, I think, you know, we've back line is all about health at this point, but if we are for sure starting Kellen Acosta and Ilya Sanchez, then I think that leaves open the debate is it going to be Jose Cifuentes or Timothy Tillman in that third midfielder spot? Araceli, your thoughts? I've always liked Sifu, but he's really been questionable the last couple of matches, at least in my opinion. Yes, he does have his moments, but I would give it to Timothy. I feel like he's earned it. Yeah, I think you're going to find a lot of people in the chat agreeing with you. Philly, are you uh, fully on board with the Timothy Tillman experience? Oh, Philly's not even He's gone. in the chat. There he is. Hi, Philly. Whoop. All right. Well, we're going to let – Philly is so overcome with thoughts on the Timothy Tillman experience. Uh, he's going to find himself back in the chat, hopefully, in just a little bit. Uh, there is he back? He's back. Hey, there, I Hit bud. the wrong button. I tried to unmute myself. I click remove. Maybe people were happy about that for a split second. Look. My thoughts are as follows. Cifuentes is having dreams of having Haggis, Haggis in, in, in Glasgow. That's, that's my thought there. He's, he's got one foot in Scotland at this point. Timothy Tillman has proved already in a short period of time, in a short body of work, that he is the better midfielder for us right now. I'm not going to say he's the better midfielder of the two, but he's the better midfielder for us now. And he's had some had himself some success already scoring in CONCACAF Champions League. He's a young man who's got confidence. He's poised. He doesn't turn the ball over. He, he plays with a little bit of mustard, or as they say in Deutsch, ein bisschen Zenf. I would go with Timothy Tillman. Yeah, Jonathan, I'm going to I'm gonna pose the question a little bit differently to you. If we do start Timothy Tillman, what kind of an embarrassment of riches is it that we've got a player like Jose Cifuentes able to come off the bench? 
I, I mean, that's exactly the squad that Dolo has built, uh, just as I was talking about earlier. I mean, these are the kind of champagne problems that MLS teams are not financially structured to be able to have. Uh, but we have managed to be able to squeeze every last cent out of this roster cap to the point where we have conversations like this, where our fourth midfielder is the one we're talking about selling to Europe for a huge chunk of change. I mean, these are the kind of problems that every MLS team would dream to have. As far as who's starting, I think we're all in agreement here. It's the guy who started and scored versus Philadelphia Union in the last round. It's got to be Herr Tillman. Yeah, let me pose that question to everybody on the panel. Is there anyone on this panel that thinks it should be Jose Cifuentes? Hmm. Oh, we got a hand up. Eric, all right, you're in. Let's see. So, so the, the, I had a fig feeling that I was going to be in, in the minority on this comment here, but hear me out. Number one, what Sifu really does well for us is progressive carries on the ball. Dealing with the midfield we have in the other side, that's something that I think we might want. Tillman is, is definitely a better passer. The other thing, the last two matches we've had, Sifu has had very good first halves, and he's kind of fallen off in the second half. Some of his, some of his assists that he put in and his long balls have been absolutely exquisite, and he's been playing much better than he has played a couple months ago. But both his last two games, he started to fall off a bit in the second half. So I think I would keep Sifu in for the first half and let him run against him. He's a way more physical guy and then bring Tillman in. I also would tie it to this. I think uh, with Apoku starting up front, Sifu's great with him. And I think as Apoku comes out, if Buke comes in, bring Tillman in with Buke, and I think it's I think it's a great matchup. So that's my thoughts. Hey, Eric, I've got a question for you. Sorry, real quick, Jonathan, who's in the chat that is moderating for Bo- Voices of Black and Gold? Oh, that's <laughs> Nick. Uh, that's got to be Nick. Nick is completely disagreeing with you. I just want you to be aware of that. Jonathan, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you know, progressive carries are great and all, but if you immediately overcook the pass once that progressive carry ends, it doesn't do a whole lot for us. You know, he he fed Buke a dime on a long ball that it Buke didn't have that first touch. It, he would have buried a goal. He also, I think, I think was it Vela? He hit on that other long. He put a couple long dimes in for final balls, and he he's been making some really nice assists lately. So if he builds and keeps that up, like that, that's what I see. I want to see him continue this. And if he's starting to heat up, like he might have a hot hand. It it sounds like even your family is disagreeing with you in the back, Eric. But that's okay. I know. Uh, I know a lot of this is a, kind of a, a basketball term, right? It's not always who starts, but it's who finishes. I do see a lot of people in the chat, though, Eric. They are agreeing with you by saying maybe we start Sifu and bring on Tillman later to uh, to kind of close the door, a la the great days of Eric Gagne with the Dodgers for those three fantastic years that Canadian ah. glory was coming out of the bullpen to welcome to the jungle but uh i think the the debate is clear though on who everyone thinks is in better form right now and that would be timothy tillman and none of this is going to matter anyway when we bring on roberto fermino in the uh july 1st transfer window uh for when sifu gets sold off uh to scotland so i think that's that's going to be fun oh you know what let's throw this out there david day makes makes a great point how many times and for for how long, maybe in what situation do we see Eric Duenas coming on in CONCACAF Champions League? What do we think? When we're up 3-0. Okay, all right. So so Jonathan says it's closing the door. Uh, does does Eric Duenas have a place getting some significant first-team minutes here? Luke, what are, what's your thoughts on Eric Duenas? 
I mean, I was going to say Eric Duenas to me is one of those that I wouldn't be surprised if he were to surprise us in this yep. final if we if they were to, he'd be brought in because frankly that young man has clearly a chip on his shoulder and something to prove and that's the kind of energy that you need in something like this. So frankly, I I kind of I kind of hope that he does get his chance to to show himself on this stage. I love it. Hold on to your answer, too, for something we're going to do a little bit later on. All right, let's head to the front line. We know Bowanga. We know Carlos Vela. But here's the fun one. We know the incredible experience that Mahala has in these Champions League matches. Uh, for those of you that don't know some of these players by sight, that's Stipe Buke and Mati Bogush that are the other two there, the relatively new faces. Uh, Philly, let me throw it over to you first on that front line. Are we talking Mahala gets that start next to both Vela and Bawanga? Is it Stipe? Is it Mati? We've seen him come off the bench and act like that Latif blessing, like super sub, uh, star man, game changer role. But I still think if I'm comparing him with Buke, I'd still say Mahala is the more potent threat on offense. I, I think he's the starter above them. With Mati Bogush, I'm, I'm on the fence with what I see from him. Anytime that dude runs, he looks like a gazelle, like sprinting on ice. It's beautiful, like the way he runs. And he's going to be an imposing force. And I do think he's going to have an impact in, this, in the two legs of the CCL. But I really do think that Mahala deserves the start. Mahala is the more experienced from the three. And I think we go with the experience. All right, I'm going to go with Araceli and then with Travis. Araceli, who are you putting up top with the two big guns? That's another difficult one right there because Mahala, we already know Mahala, what he can do. He can bring the experience, but just like Sifu, there's been a few games where he's kind of faltered. Same with Buke. He has his, he has his days. And I know one of the discussions around him is that he's still learning, but he's, he has a problem finishing. Do you want to put him in a big match like this with that? When Bogush, oh man. I would probably have to start Mahala just for the experience and then probably bring in Bogush as a sub. All right. Travis, gone are the days of having a Chicho Arango or a Gareth Bale or even a Christian Teo to bring off of the bench <laughs> one of those experienced goal scorers. Who are you going with up top? Um, I'm going to differ a little bit. I, I think I would start Bogush. I think he has shown a more consistent level of play, albeit for fewer games. Uh, than the other two. I think Apoku, much like Sifu, his head might be in Europe right now, and he's not necessarily as on board uh, as he used to be with the squad. I think maybe like Sifu, he expected to not be here uh, this season. And I do think he's great as a super sub. Like, I I love Apoku, uh, but I think Bogus has done, I and I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm doing my best. Doing Bogus. Um, but the, the, I think like, He's been, he seems really dangerous. When Buke has the ball, we all know he's going to mess up on the final touch. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> he looks beautiful. And then he's going to like do the exact wrong thing on the last touch. So Buke is definitely bottom of the rung between these three for me. Uh, I would, I would sub in a Poku in like the 60th. All right. Let me throw it to Jonathan. And then I'm going to give the Podfather the last word on who to start or sit uh, here up top. Jonathan. Uh, Opoku, all the way. Uh, the experience of playing in the competition, the goals that he scored for us in big games, the minutes he's had. Uh, and frankly, he's the only one of the three that's had a decent final touch so far this season. 
Um, if you're playing Bogus, uh, I think that's probably more of like a 4-4-2. He's probably going to retreat back and help us in that midfield, which I wouldn't be surprised if we went that way, especially for a half in Leon. Uh, but if it's me, I'm putting a Poku in. Is there any uh, truth, Jonathan, or excuse me, uh, Joseph, to the fact that maybe bringing on Mahala later in the match where he can maybe have a little bit more impact with his energy, his speed, might be the better player? What do you think, Joseph? Uh, honestly, I like Bogush, but I have a feeling it's going to be a Poco simply because you want to counter these guys at the end of the day. Uh, they're going to come out with a 4-4-2. Um, they're not going to play up too high, but you could still find a way behind them. Bogush is not going to be the guy to do that. He's better at holding up the ball. And I think in, in Dolo's way of seeing it, he's going to go for a Poco to try to strike these guys quick and then come back later and hold the game up with Bogush. I, I know I said I'd give you the last word, but Araceli, would you mind just, I don't know, throwing it out there for everybody listening? Just share what you may have typed into the private chat with everybody else who's watching, please. It's private chat for a reason. Oh, <laughs> all right. Fine, fine. I'll, if you want if you want it, just DM, DM Araceli. Maybe she'll tell you what she actually typed. No, I, I don't have a problem with saying it if Travis doesn't mind. But Travis doesn't mind. <laughs> when you first drew up the graphic, Travis and Bogo she look like they have the same haircut, and I cannot unsee it. I'm sorry, but I cannot stop staring at it. Oh, I guess all Polish people look the same. I guess that's what we're saying. Okay. Just See, because... Travis, we said we'd keep the hazing to a minimum for the newest guy, so don't worry. Again, we're bringing on Darren anyway for the next one after you cursed us already, so it's fine. No worries at all. Oh, shoot. Uh, <laughs> all right guys we're gonna play a fun game called over under we've got three questions that we want to throw out to you here give us your over under i'm gonna go all the way around the room let's try and keep it short and sweet the first question is this over under are we getting two goals over or under from denny bowanga across both legs of this final travis over under two goals for denny bowanga over over i like it araceli under under, woo, under Philly. Over. I like it. Joseph? Over. Over. Jonathan? If we're going to win, over. I like it. Eric? Over. And Luke? Under. I think the team comes together and scores all the goals we need. Uh, I like it because nobody said it. I'm going to say it. it's a terrible line as a bookie that I created. I'm saying we're getting exactly two goals from him, and we're going to get a lot of other, a lot of other creation. That? From, what, 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 say You're that again, Eric. <laughs> I, I know that was a terrible line that I put up there. I've now lost all my money in Vegas. We're in trouble. All right, let's go back around. Over under, we've seen him. He was the leader in saves coming into this this leg of the tournament. Over under twelve saves total from John McCarthy. We'll go back around the horn the other way. Luke, over, over twelve saves. I like it. All right, Eric, under, under, Jonathan. I'm going to go under when we beat Leon at home. They only had zero shots on goal. Absolutely. Alexander Alvarado says under. What say you, Joseph? Under. Under. Philly. He had like 25 or 26 going into Philly with four games being played. I think he's under. Under. Araceli. Under. And Travis. Just for fun, I'm going to say over. I like it. I like it. Be a little uh, little exciting times there in these uh, in these two legs. All right, I hate to bring it up, but I, I might as well. Over, under, will we hear the P-word chant 
anywhere in Estadio León. This is going to be an interesting one. We'll go with Travis. Will we hear it? I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, if we're winning for sure. Yeah. All right. He says, yes. Araceli, will we hear it? If we're winning, there's a good chance you'll hear it. All right. Philly. You mean in a stadio and Le- I didn't hear it in a stadio Leon or period. Yeah. I mean, look, we, if we hear it in, you better in not B- hear it at BMO. It better be zero at BMO. At BMO. But- but look, if we hear it at BMO, hopefully we know that it's not coming from supporters of the black and gold. We've talked about that since season one. But your thoughts, Philly, will we hear it? I think in Leon we'll hear it. All right, Joseph. Sadly, I think we will hear it. Jonathan? I won't hear it in Leon because I will be in the 3252. I love it. Eric. Great answer. Yeah, we're going to hear it. Eric says yes. All right, Luke. Yeah, I actually think we may hear them play music really loudly over it so that we can't hear it. We'll hear the, oh, and then there'll be a to sort of drown it out for a quick moment. <laughs> let's, hey, let's hope you're right, because whatever they play over, it's better than actually hearing the damn thing. And Alexander, you are absolutely right. Football is for everyone. All right, guys, final questions. You guys have made it two full hours into this podcast. We really appreciate you guys sticking around the first and foremost. And I'm, I'm going to throw it to Luke first on this one because I wanted him to save his answer uh, for this particular question here. Which player not in LAFC's starting 11 will have an impact on this two-legged final? Better be Eric Duane, yes. I want to see that kid score a goal. I want to see him celebrate in front of the 32-52 where he was cheering when he was 12 years old. I want to see that young man just rock it out on this international platform. I got to tell you, I asked that question in the press conference and he gave that answer. I was almost in tears in that press conference. The kid is talking about how he used to be in the 3252 and now he's looking up playing in front of the 3252. Uh, real quick, I got to I gotta throw it to both Joseph and Jonathan on that one. You guys are, have been day one, 3252. Uh, what was it like, Joseph, for you to hear that answer from Eric Duenas and, and to be able to kind of feel that pride the same way that he feels that he's been a part of the organization since he was a, a, a small child, right? Our right. first days is 3252 singing was to his team as a youth player. Yep. So yeah, he's grown up with us. He's one of us. His family's united with us as well. They go to all the games. He bleeds black and gold. There's no question about it. That, that, that player right there, he is the face to me of what the franchise wants to be. Yeah, Jonathan? I have a photo with me and Eric Duenas in the North End together, uh, first or second season when he looks like a 12-year-old boy. Um, he still uh, looks like so, a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> um, I Look, we're, we're all 100% behind the kid. I love it. All right, Eric, uh, your player who not in the starting 11 will have an impact on the final. You know, I, I am leaning towards Duenas too, but, you know, but there's one other player that I think might be of impact, which is Mr. Sergi Palencia. I, I think especially with uh, the uncertainty with the health of our back line, that guy came in and mad dogged it at center back, which is not his position. And, uh, you know, this is just one of those things where, you know, the chef's kiss goes to Dolo for having such a good defensive minded system that he can plug and play guys. So I, I think Palencia is going to be a guy that uh, I think he might be a hero. I love that. Jonathan, your thoughts. 
I would love to see the golden boy have his coming out party. I would love for this to be the Stipe Buke celebration uh, when he comes in and proves everybody wrong with a massive moment. And he's probably not going to take his jersey off and hold it up so that everybody can see it at the end of his celebration, right? I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Joseph, who's your who's your guy? Depends on who the starters are, but if it's a Poco off the bench, it's a Poco. If it's Bogus off the bench, it's going to be Bogus. I like it. We can see Marvin into the chat like Stipe. All right, Marvin. Hi, Philly. That seems like a perfect segue to go to you. Who's your player in the starting – that's not in the starting 11 that uh, you think will make an impact? Yeah, I mean, Joseph said it. I don't think I don't think Mati starts. I think it's Mahala, and I think Bogus does have a huge impact coming off the bench. He's big body. He's he's got the intestinal fortitude to go at it. He's not the kind of guy who's going to take a bump lightly. He's going to come back and fight. I think he's going to have a big impact, but it will be coming off the bench. All right, Araceli. I have to go with Duenas. Not only with his history of the club, but also too what he's done for LEFC too, and. He's been with the first team since almost the beginning of the season. So I go with that. Right. And so does Bam. Bam says Dwayne is scoring the winner with a bicycle kick. Greatest moment possibly in LAFC history at that point. Maybe it rivals the Gareth Bale goal. I don't know. Uh, but Travis, you get to close out this question. Which player not in the 11 will have an impact on the final? I'm going to stick with my pick and say Bogush uh, is going to start, which then means uh, – a poku, or you know, as they say on Fox Sports, a puku. A puku is going to make the biggest impact uh, by scoring after he's subbed on in the 60th minute. Yeah, none of you were there in Vancouver. I got to hear that's exactly how they say it in Canadian as well on their on their PA system there at BC Place. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully they'll get Mahala's name right if he uh, if he indeed is that player to have the impact. All right, uh, another question I'm gonna throw out to the group: In order for LAFC to win CONCACAF Champions League, they must what? And I'll start with the podfather, Joseph. Prevent any goals from a dead ball situation. Ooh, set piece, dead ball situations. I like it. All right. Uh, Jonathan. Uh, the two things that I have at the top of my whiteboard for LAFC to work on this year, first touch, final touch. I like it. Eric? It's... It it's this it's the same thing that goes into it you know you don't play in championships you win championships and they just have to want it more than the other team does and they've been very good at that i like it travis first touch final touch sounds like a spinoff from happy foot sad foot <laughs> uh travis what's uh what's lafc got to do in order to win ccl um score more goals than leon <laughs> i love I, it I'll say we, uh, win big at home. Uh, I think we going away is going to be hard. We have to make sure that we win on Sunday. I like it, Luke. Uh, lock down the, def the 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 defense. We have been stellar on defense this season. I mean, we're all the talk about Denny Bawanga and the goal scoring. It's our defense that has really come through, uh, and I just think we need to keep that up. I love it, Araceli. Make sure they close any open spaces to prevent turnovers and actually finish shoot the ball <laughs> i like it last word on this one goes to philly i mean like i've been saying all season long just just limit the mistakes and don't get caught on the counter simple as that I love they it. allowed right. a shitty team like carson to get into the game because they didn't play their game and they didn't limit their mistakes i, I think Two they could they played their game the way they can play and the way i know they've been playing it 
They, they can take care of business. I'm confident, but just limit the mistakes. We didn't play this over under, but it took two hours and six minutes for Philly to get a swear in on this podcast. Are you kidding me? This is like I wasn't the first though. I, I'm just saying it's uh I, I I'm I'm a little disappointed it took you this long, my friend. All right. If Travis's curse comes true and LAFC doesn't win CONCACAF Champions League, it will be because of what? We'll go with Eric. Start us off on this one. Oh, it'll it'll be because because of Travis. <laughs> cool cool great <laughs> all right guys and that's it we'll wrap it up thank you all so much have a uh thank you all. no uh <laughs> eric anything other than travis I'd, I'd love the answer though you know uh i haven't seen anything from this team that tells me they're gonna go in and they're gonna choke or anything like that and that's something that we used to see with our team and we used to be scared of all the time so far, they haven't done, you know, they haven't done that. So I, they take care of business. Yeah. Can we, I don't if there was a way to just blow that up and put it on a t-shirt. Adam says, bad refereeing. Let me throw it over to my, my good friend and partner in pod one, Christian Philly Philemon. Now, I don't believe, correct me if I'm wrong, there will be pro referees uh, that are officiating this game. But Philly, is that, is there any other bigger obstacle that LAFC has to overcome other than the refereeing? themselves ultimately it's themselves they can't capitulate at the gravitas of the moment i certainly don't think that they're going to buckle under pressure in front of the twenty-two thousand at bmo stadium they're home they're comfortable they're going to do things that way where we're really going to see what this team is made out of is when they put the focus though on this game it's been the number one goal for the organization from the top to the bottom their focus is the CONCACAF Champions League. They know how important it is. Uh, they know that it's what we all expect them to do. If anything, if they lose, it'll be on them for just not rising to the occasion because this is the number one goal for this season. Travis, I know we're all kind of picking on you a little bit, but we don't really think it's going to be because of you. But uh, <laughs> what's what's the reason why you feel if it doesn't happen, what will be the reason? The curse that I put on the team with the witchcraft that I did. Um, I I would say... The what we were talking about, about all the questions on the back line, um, I think not having our anchors back there is going to be quite scary. And we also um, sometimes make mistakes and turn the ball over. And I love Maldonado and Long. I don't love them as much as I love Chiellini and Mario. And so I think it'll be I'll be scared of that as I watch the first leg. All right, Araceli. Um, any defensive errors plus a mix of the refereeing. All right, Luke. I think the games where we have looked our worst is when we've lost our cool early. And we'll be watching to see if we can keep our cool in Leon. It has not been as much of an issue under, under Dolo, but uh, that is something that hopefully we're not seeing a bunch of yellow cards accumulating or guys kind of just playing in, in the wrong headspace. Joseph? I'm with Travis on this one. Uh, it would be our backline breaking rather than bending under the circumstances. Um, also a lack of communication with the backline and the goalkeeper. We've seen a moment already this year. Um, I would also say getting caught in a back and forth, especially at home. If we get into a foot race with this team, we'll get ourselves into trouble. We need to pick our, pick our, our options. Um, play more conservative if need be. Play for the counter if need be. But don't get caught in a big foot race with this team. 
Yeah, Jonathan, you were there in Leon the first time. You were about to head there in a matter of hours, headed to the airport. Uh, I want to have you address what David just said real quick and then give us your answer. Is elevation going to be a factor at Estadio Leon? Uh, for a professional athlete, you deal with elevation through excessive hydration. These This team has world-class athletic trainers around them. I guarantee you they'll arrive in enough time to acclimate to the elevation, and it will not be a factor. All right, so your thoughts then, if LAFC does not win at all, it's because of? A bogus red card, but seeing as how El Rey de Payasos, Memo Ochoa, is not going to be in this game, I think we might be okay. I like it. I like it. All right, guys, uh, last real quick question we're going to throw out. I'm going to word it a little bit differently, I think, than we had it up there, but is there anybody here that will argue somehow that this is not bigger then MLS Cup, if we if we win this, is this is bigger than MLS Cup, right, guys? We all, we're all in agreement. I think MLS might argue it's not bigger than MLS Cup. Yeah, I don't, Travis has his hand up. What do you think, Travis? I would say if we win, it will be bigger than winning MLS Cup. But winning the Champions League on its own isn't bigger than winning MLS Cup. I think the context of winning it as a triple this season is very massive. But if we won in twenty twenty. I would have cared way more that we won the MLS Cup that year than Champions League. Interesting. All right, Philly, your thoughts? You, I mean, you. I've said it earlier on. I, I think Champions League is is the most important one. Uh, anybody who thinks of Major League Soccer thinks about that dopey ass team down the one ten, and we want to change that narrative. If we want to break hearts and set trends, we got to do it on a global scale, not a national scale. We may be the sixteenth most valuable team globally in terms of net worth but we're what 147th when it comes to overall being competitive and yes maybe outside of the united states not everybody knows about us we uh we do things on a international scale and do things in saudi arabia then i think that puts us on the map in a much more global perspective we've already conquered major league soccer we're going to conquer Concacaf, and then we're going to set our sights in saudi arabia champions league higher than mls I love it. All right, guys, let me get everybody's final thoughts. We are two hours, 12 minutes into this podcast, an incredible super pod. And again, I want to thank everybody for coming on. This has been such a fun hosting job for me to do here with all of you. Uh, you know, I love and and uh, and absolutely adore the professional and, and incredible minds that you guys all have. But let's let's put it all into to one final thought. I'm going to go all around. Going in, we we're playing them in just three days now, where it seems like two, almost one. This podcast has been quite a, a long podcast, but we're almost there. May 31st in Estadio Leon, back at BMO on June 4th. Travis, your final thoughts as we get ready to play this two legged final? I'm going to finish as I started. Um, we're going to fucking win the Champions League. We're going to fucking do it. I absolutely love it once. <laughs> that's that's philly on the soundboard and that's travis from happy foot sad foot uh let, let me go to my man there with the soundboard never short on words never short on adjectives or superlatives my partner in pod christian philly philemon oh, he's got oh geez oh boy uh, he's you know I had to bring the fourth most popular host on Defenders of the Bank, Scarf. Like, I, it had to be done, but she wanted to be complimentary towards you. In terms of a final thought, I just want to say you did a magnificent job putting this together. Uh, everybody give him the round of applause. I just 
did homework on stuff. He actually had the idea to come up with this, and he did a tremendous job, as did our producers, Panda and, and Nina. And, bro, why do you have her captured in a, in a, in a baggie? Hello Kitty, you got to go rescue your sister over there. Your Schwester, you got to go rescue her. I it's love Hello pristine. Kitty. I love still Star in the Space package. Combat. All right, still in the package. Mint you better condition. not eBay her, brother. Mint you better condition. not eBay her. Look, I'm going to end this as I end everything. And uh, thanks to our friend Becca. I know there's a couple of kids out there that love when I say this, so I'm going to have to end off by saying this. We are the trailblazing, MLS Cup raising, always competing, soon to be Leon beating, goal scoring, rip roaring, styling and smiling, black and gold wearing, hate on us because you can't stop swearing, champions of Major League Soccer and fingers cross soon to be champions of CONCACAF. Mwah! Aristella, you were laughing way too hard when he brought Hello Kitty on to the podcast, so I'm going with you next. Your final thoughts. Well, I had to go get mine as well. Yes! Because, yes! Come on. <laughs> it is the best. Okay, I'm amazing. sorry. But other than that, <laughs> my final thoughts are simple. I have full faith in our guys that they are going to go out and win this I'm wishing everyone safe travels that is actually going down there for the match, especially you, Jonathan. <laughs> I can't wait to hear your incredible stories when you come back. Other than that, I also want to give a big thanks to Defenders of the Bank for hosting this. It's been amazing to chat with you guys. I know we don't get to really do this as often, so it's always great to see you. And hopefully I get to see you guys in the stadium very soon. Can't wait. Absolutely, Araceli. Uh, Luke, your final thoughts. Yeah, I can't wait for us to add a new game in the annals of the greatest game ever played at BMO Stadium when we come back on June 4th and take it to Leon. I'm just so very excited to get to be able to witness this in person. And I also want to thank, as others have done here, uh, Nina and Amanda for all the work you've done in the background uh, and making this just go so smoothly. And I also want to just offer a personal thank you to Jonathan, Joseph, Philly, and JR, because y'all are the guys who inspired me to get into doing this podcasting thing. This LAFC podcast fam is freaking incredible and just uh, love being a part of this family. And thank you for the invitation to be here tonight. Just loving it. Absolutely, Luke. Uh, thank you for being on. Eric, one of the voices of the black and gold. Give us your final thoughts, my friend. Yeah. Uh, first, I want to thank you for inviting inviting me on and everybody else for being here and contributing and doing what they do. I mean, it's we all we all love listening to things about our team. But as far as this, you know, the rarer the prize, the more valuable it is. And to win the continent is a much more rare prize than it is to win the league. And so, you know, that that's that's the mountain we got to climb. And uh you know, it's, it, it's going to be up to our boys to do it. This is going to be a hard game. Victory is not assured. Leon is also a very good team. This is going to be, I think, a very epic final. And we are all going to emotionally rise or fall with our team. And we just need to be there to support. We need to yell. And, you know, when the, when the time gets tough, it's going to be us fans and bringing our energy out there that's going to help our boys push through and hopefully get us to where we need to go. So we all just need to stand together and we all need to do our part so that the boys can do their part. Well said, my friend, the good Dr. Jonathan Reimer of shoulder to shoulder, your final thoughts. 
Uh, first of all, thank you, defenders. Uh, thank you, Nina and Scarf as well too for hosting this event. And I just it it never ceases to amaze me the talent and the familial vibe that we have throughout the LAFC Pod fam. Uh, hats off to all of you for the amazing work you guys do. Last time I was in Leon, as beautiful as that game and that experience was, the most poignant, the most powerful, the most impactful moment I had while down there was the charitable work we did with the folks at Global Diplomatic at Casa Hogar San Antonio Orphanage. That event is happening once again on Tuesday. If you are like me heading down to Leon, please swing by the orphanage. It's two blocks from the stadium. Uh, and and the impact we had on those children's lives was something that will be with me forever. And if you are not heading down to Leon uh, and you get a chance, pop over to the 3252 socials or Global Diplomatic. You'll find a link there to be able to contribute. Uh, as of I just checked, we are just a couple hundred dollars away from hitting our goal to be able to, to deliver exactly the kind of impactful experience like we did last time we were in Leon. And if you have the means or the opportunity to help us make sure that that charitable event goes off without a hitch and we can continue to be a force for good, not only here in Los Angeles, but anywhere we travel, it would mean the world to me. I know it would mean something to everyone on this pod, but most importantly, it means the world to those kids. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Jonathan, that's through Global Diplomatic. Can you uh, tell us one more quick time how we can donate? I know you guys are so close, but we want to push it all the way over and get it uh, as full as we can. How can they how can they help donate to Global Diplomatic? Uh, you can simply head over to the 3252's social, or you can head over to Global Diplomatic social. There you will find options for Venmo. You will find options for Zelle to be able to make a charitable contribution. Even if it's something as small as 2 or $3, that goes a long way down there and would be really, really helpful in having us pull this event off. All right, so then check out Global Diplomatic and the 3252. Uh, I Before I turn it over to the Podfather for our last words, again, I want to reiterate thank you so much to our producers, Nina and Panda, and, and thank you guys all for allowing me to host this. I have to say, this is like me being a kid in a candy store. I get to hang out with all my best friends here on a Sunday night. You guys have all taken out part of your Memorial Day weekend. Thank you for all of you being here thank you to the chat for absolutely lighting it on fire and you guys have hung out with us for two hours and 20 minutes and with that i turn it over to the og of the lafc pod fam joseph zacker first and foremost thank you to all of you uh that came on and volunteered tonight to come out uh defenders thank you for hosting this thank you for the community uh to come out and also comment i think i saw 270 plus comments tonight uh, a lot of people on here on their holiday weekend uh, showing their love for, for the black and gold. And it's the community that makes this thing so special. And once again, you guys are showing that um, to those traveling more thank yous to you. You're the ones that, that give us that energy when we go on the road. You're the ones that they all talk about when, when it's all said and done uh, doing what you do as Jonathan, Jonathan showed where we were doing, you know, charity work, but also in the stands doing what we do. We've got more experience this time going in, right? And it's going to be that much stronger uh, in the cage. I know this already. Uh, to everybody that's going to be back at home with us, I know this is going to be louder than the last time we played them. We have arguably the best team to ever represent MLS in a CONCACAF final. I think by far the most talented team to ever do it. It's now their job to get across the line. 
They qualify for not only one Club World Cup, but two Club World Cups. We're not sure where that's going to be at yet. It could be here. Again, a 24-team tournament. There's so much to play for. And this is what this club said they wanted from the start. John Thornton did not parse his words. This was the one he wanted, right? Now we're here. Now we're here to make history. I can't wait to see our boys do this. I know they're going to live up to this thing. We're going to send Sifu off on his on his swan song with LAFC off to Europe with another another trophy, another medallion over his neck. And I can't wait to see it. At the end of the day, y'all keep staying golden because that's what you've been doing. So at the end of the day, I love you guys. I can't wait to see what we're going to do these next few days. Let's all go make some history. Couldn't have said it better. Again, thank you to everybody for joining. And after we play our really cool outro that the girls created for us just today, by the way, uh, there's going to be a slide with everybody's social media on there. So please, again, right after you guys hear the really cool outro, hang on and take a look. Make sure you write down, you know, like I said, put it in your Palm Pilot, your BlackBerry, whatever you use to keep Palm track of everything. Pilot. What decade are you living in? Roll the decks, whatever it is that we got, you guys. Just make sure you write it all down. This has been an incredible Super pod. The heads of the families were all here. We appreciate you guys so, so much. And with that, I, I've always wanted to say this to somebody other than Philly at the end of our podcast. Uh, we like to end it by saying bye-bye. So you guys know how we like to end everything we do here on LAFC Pod Fam. Bye-bye. 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 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.